Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Articulating Insight, the podcast where I talk to creative and inspiring people from around the internet about the basic tenets of artistic expression and whatever else we want to talk about. In this episode, my guest is the anime music video editor, podcaster, poker enthusiast, and the porno king of hentai AMVs, Mexican Junior. Uh, I first heard about Mexican Junior around AMV circles in the past, um, mainly due to his over-the-top and uh, shocking hentai music videos that were very influential on the early AMV scene. Um, but what brought him to my attention to bring him to this podcast was I stumbled upon his music video for In Excess's Never Tear Us Apart using Video Girl Eye, which is an anime I'm very fond of. And that video blew my mind in how just, like, unguardedly emotional it is, and the expressive editing, which is crazy, because that video was made in, like, 2003, and it has some crazy effects for a 2003 video. So I just instantly fell in love with that video, and then I saw that he himself runs a podcast, which is excellent, called How Many, which I highly recommend checking out, which he talks about uh, more at the end of this episode. Um... And so I thought, well, he's clearly already comfortable, you know, getting his voice out there and stuff, so I think he'd be a great guest for this podcast. And I was right. <laughs> in, the, in the start of this episode, we do get really specific about the technical details of anime music videos and also what the early um, anime music video scene was like. And, I mean, I guess it is a little niche. If you're unfamiliar with those scenes, hopefully you can find it uh, interesting regardless because I think it's just a really cool conversation about a growing art form and finding your way in that but um, if you find that stuff a little a little dry I highly recommend sticking this episode out until about an hour an hour ten about where he starts talking about the kind of inspiration and like um, kind of behind the scenes story behind a few of his videos um, because I thought it was crazy. Like, it's, it's, it's cool to see how a medium as supposedly impersonal, quote-unquote, you know, as AMVs, you know, because you didn't, you didn't technically make the footage, you didn't technically make the music, um, it's still beholden to the same influences that any art form is, including personal expression. So, I think it's an amazing conversation. I really, I mean, I, I hope you can make it through to that part because I think it's awesome. Um, and if you want, we do specifically get into some of his videos. So if you want to check him out, uh, specifically his Kiki's Delivery Service um, AMV that uses uh, the association's Windy, which I think is a great song. Um, the, Of course, as previously mentioned, the Video Girl Eye video with the In Excess song. And also um, his Ichi the Killer OVA video with uh, Talking Heads' Psycho Killer, which is another crazily edited video for how old it is. Um, but yeah, I think we just had a great conversation. Mexican Junior was so open about the whole early AMV scene and what it was like for him to experience that, his process making videos. And then I think there's actually a really great talk at the end about the connections between gambling and craft and what those things have in common 
and how those bring out similar drives in people. And I'm super satisfied with how this episode turned out. I was super excited to talk to Mexican Jr., who, I mean, with my experience making AMVs, and I talked to someone as passionate and creative as Mexican Jr., it was just, it was such an honor. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And um, yeah, without further ado, let's get to the conversation. I actually started watching AMVs uh, probably 99, 2000 in that era. I, I kind of got late to the kind of the anime party, I guess you could say. I didn't really start watching a lot of anime until Toonami hit, like in the you know mid to late 90s. Uh, obviously, like a lot of people, I started off with Dragon Ball Z, uh, you know, Gundam Wing, a lot of those things that they were showing uh, around that time frame. And uh, seeing those shows kind of got me curious because this was around the, the beginning of the boom of the Internet and, you know, people actually, you know, getting on PCs and logging in, lots of dial up and things like that. So yeah. uh, I, I, you know, I looked the looked through and tried to find, you know, DBZ websites, you know, find uh, sites that had clips, maybe things that hadn't been shown here on Toonami yet, because uh, I don't know if, you know, you were watching back then, but uh, when Dragon Ball Z was being shown on Toonami back then, they they had a, uh, they were starting it, you know, right in the Raditz saga, and they would take it all the way to, you know, about the point where Gohan and Krillin were fighting, uh, the Ginyu Force on Namek, and then there was a specific episode where it would stop and then start all over again, and it would cycle through that uh, that set of episodes for several years before they actually got the second half of the Namek saga. <laughs> so, so I was curious. I was like, okay, well, maybe some of the you know Dragon Ball websites had some clips that had hadn't been released in the U.S. And uh, as I was doing those searches, that's when I started finding. Not only, you know, some of those clips that were subtitled, but people making, you know, anime music videos. Uh, and that kind of just piqued my curiosity. And then it kind of just grew from there. I was like, well, you know, this was around the time that people had PCs that were using Windows ME. Mm -hmm. And Windows ME uh, had uh, a program called Windows Movie Maker. And it was a very basic editing program where you, you know, imported videos, you imported one audio track and... Uh, you could basically just uh, line up the clips with the audio as best you could. It didn't have any transparencies or overlays or anything like that. It was a very, very basic straight cuts. Uh, but that kind of got me going in kind of my AMV journey. I probably used Windows Movie Maker for the first maybe one to two years oh. of making AMVs. And I was I was prolific in how, in making bad videos. I probably made maybe... 15 or so uh really horrendous videos exported them in wmv file which is about the lowest uh compression that you could possibly put and give you the lowest video quality because at that time uh people didn't just have websites and you know bandwidth and uh you know any any way to share a lot of really high-end files uh because you know bandwidth was scarce back then so mm. Uh, people were using sites like GeoCities. I was using GeoCities, Homestead, uh, AltaVista, all of these, you know, free web pages that had limits on the uh, video files you could upload and share, and they had bandwidth caps and things like that. So if I wanted to get my work out there, I needed to make 
the video file as small as possible while still keeping it somewhat coherent and actually you know viewable for the for the viewer uh, but yeah, those video files in those early days were really, really rough from a quality standpoint. And, uh, I, and on top of it, I, you know, I wasn't using DVDs or anything back then. Ripping DVDs wasn't common practice. People had capture cards and they would use uh, VHS tapes, but um, I wasn't that high tech at that time. I was just downloading clips, uh, real media files, <laughs> uh, MPEG ones, things like that. You know, the lowest of lowest end video quality files. Nowadays, you can go and get you know Blu-rays <laughs> uh, on you know file sharing platforms and torrents, things like that. It's really easy mm -hmm. to get the highest quality videos possible. But uh, back then, it was a different story entirely. Um, so yeah. Uh, it was about 2003 when uh, I got a little bit more active in the AMV community. I, I got a an account on uh, animemusicvideos.org, which you have an account also, I saw. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, uh, a lot of people were kind of sharing uh, their videos, and they were also sharing their expertise on how to make videos. Um, Early on, uh, one of the people that I met uh, on amv.org uh, actually lived in my area. I'm, I'm in Dallas, Texas. How, what, what area are you in? Um, I'm in Edmonton, uh, Canada. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, this is an international call. Very yeah, cool. absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I, I had a guy that I met um, through amv.org that was also in Dallas, and he had an extra capture card uh, that was a USB-based capture card. And uh, I used that uh, to capture uh, some VHS anime that I had. And uh, that became my first AMV using non-downloaded footage. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it. It's on the, on the YouTube page that I have. It's, it, was, it was the Kiki's Delivery Service video. Yeah, Service yeah. with a smile. Yeah, with the association uh, song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one was the first one that I did using Adobe Premiere. Uh, instead of Windows Movie Maker and using uh, actual footage that I captured myself instead of just downloading it. Um, and then from there, I just tried to do a little bit more. I got to the point where I learned how to rip DVDs and, you know, the quality kind of just grew from there. And uh, I, I was active making AMVs uh, from, like I said, about 2001. And I kind of stopped around 2005 early 2006 was kind of when uh i kind of just stopped altogether and it, it wasn't anything that in particular that made me do it it's just I, I was getting really busy at work during that time and i kind of just lost focus i wasn't watching as many new animes as i had been previously um and that all kind of factored into it but I look very fondly upon those days <laughs> in the uh, early to mid 2000s. I went to a lot of anime conventions, met a lot of awesome people that are friends with me still to this day on, on amv.org and locally through the convention scenes as well. Yeah. No, that's cool. So like, were there a lot of conventions like in your area, like in Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in Dallas in particular, there was a big anime convention called Akon uh, that had uh, an AMV contest. So um, a lot of the people that I had met up with uh, in in the Texas area, not just Dallas, but uh, there was AMV editors from Austin, from Houston. Uh, we would all kind of uh, merge uh, into these anime cons in the area. Uh, and Akon was a big one. 
Um, another one that we used to frequent was called Yushikon, which was in Austin. That one also had an A and B contest. There's any conventions we went to, the running theme was usually there was an A and B contest that we had all submitted videos to. And, uh, you know, part of the fun, in addition to just seeing all of your friends in person, as opposed to just, you know, talking to them on, them on uh, AOL chat and all of those old formats that we all used to do, Yahoo Messenger, uh, ERC channels, <laughs> all, yeah. all of those old school chat programs that we used to talk to each other on. Uh, it was it was just an awesome experience to meet all those people in person. Plus, we had the added bonus of seeing our videos on the big screen in front of an audience, which is uh, one of those things that when that happens, it's it's really it really blows you away, especially if the reaction is good. Um, I, I didn't really start submitting videos until I felt confident that they were actually not going to get booed. So a lot of those <laughs> early a lot of those early ones that I made that were made in Windows Movie Maker, I didn't even bother because I was like, man, these videos are they're you're not even gonna, it's going to look like one giant pixel on a giant screen. I wouldn't <laughs> even bother submitting it. Um, but when I got to the point where I felt like, OK, this would actually be viewable on a giant projector screen, uh, I started submitting and uh, and the crowd reactions for the most part were always favorable. And, you know, is there's nothing like getting, you know, people clapping to your video when it's over cheering things like that it's just it's something else and then when you actually win a couple of awards and go up and uh, accept your trophies and things like that it's just it's something that uh, i'll never forget it was an awesome experience every time yeah oh man that's awesome and like so since you were getting started like way in the early days did you notice that like d did they start to get bigger over the years that you were involved in that or like how, how did the communities change yeah, uh, well, from a convention standpoint, the first con that I ever went to was YushiCon in Austin, and it was a tiny, tiny convention in a small hotel, and uh, it it didn't have that many people. The AMV contest was really small. I don't even know that they actually had a contest at that one. It was just more of a showing, um, but they weren't actually giving out awards or anything. Uh, but when I went to Acon. Um, and then there was another one in Dallas called Anime Fest that we used to go to as well. Uh, but Acon was huge. I mean, it was, you know, 10 times the amount of people that Yushikon had. And uh, that's when I, I could tell, oh, okay, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and uh, for a lot of AMV editors, the biggest anime convention for AMV specifically is the one in Atlanta, Georgia called Anime Weekend Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that one that one is considered kind of the Super Bowl of of AMVs because they have a an entire room in the in the hotel, a giant uh, viewing room dedicated to AMVs 24/7. Um, they show videos nonstop. They have panels. Um, they have blocks uh, of specific genres of AMVs. Um, they have request request blocks where you basically say hey will you show these five videos i've made and they'll do it <laughs> as long as you're in in attendance mm -hmm. and uh that that one uh, i went to that one uh i want to say four times and uh every time i went i met the the amount of people that i met in person that i had talked to online grew exponentially and i made a lot of really really good friends at those conventions that like i said are still friends with me today um but you know growing that base of networking with other amv editors it just 
it quadrupled when I went to that convention. That was the biggest one I had ever been to. Damn. Yeah. No, that's that's so cool. And just even from an online standpoint, from the time that amv.org kind of started and when I joined it, it was it was pretty early on in its in its inception and it didn't have that many members. Uh, but by the time I kind of stopped making AMVs, you know, it, it, it where before it, it had hundreds, it turned into thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that really blew that up was uh, their uh, introduction of file sharing and hosting AMVs. Because at the beginning, AMV.org was just a place where you could catalog your videos, but it wasn't a place for you to actually upload your videos. Um, so you would go, you would, you know, catalog your video, put a description, and then it gave you a place to link your video to, you know, a third-party hosting, whatever place you were actually hosting your videos. This is way before the days of YouTube where everybody just, you know, goes on YouTube and uploads whatever videos they have. Um, so you actually had to pay for your own hosting uh, if you wanted your video to be downloaded and seen. The other big way to get your video out there outside of, you know, hosting it yourself was peer-to-peer uh, -peer sharing programs. And uh, so things like Kaza and Morpheus, uh, iMesh, <laughs> LimeWire, those were all of the, the, that was the other place where you could say, okay, I'm going to share my folder of AMVs and I'll just leave it running, you know, 24-7 and people would just go and download them uh, from your folder. And uh, I, a lot of the early videos that, that I was not proud of. I shared a lot of them because at that, at that time, I didn't know that I was a, ter a terrible video maker, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, I was like, hey, I know, I know the quality isn't great, but I assume everybody else's quality is similar to mine. So, you know, why don't I get my videos? I probably shared, you know, 10 to 15 of them, like on Kaza specifically was really, uh, popular for that. And, uh, a lot of those videos that I ended up sharing, I noticed, uh, several ended up getting uploaded to YouTube later by different users. Like uh, uh, one of the videos that was really, really popular and I got a lot of email feedback because all of my MVs always had my email address at the end. Yeah, the Hotmail thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I always uh, put that in just in case anybody wanted to send me an email and give me feedback. And one of them, uh, my Evangelion video with the Rage Against the Machine song, Sleep Now in the Fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, that one, for some reason, became extremely popular, <laughs> and I would get emails every day uh, from people saying, oh, man, I love this video. Can you upload the higher quality version of it? And I was like, uh, you're kind of looking at it, buddy. I don't think I have anything else. Uh, this is about as good as it's going to get. Uh, I, I honestly, uh, I had thought about remastering that video several times, but I'm, I'm just too lazy at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I got a lot of feedback that way. And then when YouTube uh, got big, I noticed a lot of other people were uploading that video as well. Now, since that time, uh, I guess Rage Against the Machine and the you know the the recording company that owns their rights uh, put a kibosh on all of those videos. Mm -hmm. You'll get copyright strikes as soon as somebody tries to upload it. But for a little while, I, I found at least 10 versions of that video by different users that they had uploaded. And usually in the description always said the same thing. Uh, downloaded this from uh, file file sharing, you know, when I was five years old or 10 years old or something. <laughs> so it, it was kind of humbling to know that, you know, 
10 and 15 year olds, you know, 10 years later were actually uploading this video and saying, yeah, I remember this when I was in elementary school, it was a cool video. I just wanted to share it with everybody. I was like, man, I didn't realize I had touched so many lives. It's, <laughs> it was funny. Oh, that's so cool. And I was thinking like those early days of file sharing and stuff. It would, I have a feeling it would be like a different feel when you get a video because you just find it like, you know, in LimeWire, like in just this huge mess of just things. And then it's just on your computer and there's no comment section. There's no likes or dislikes. It's just like this super insular thing. I think like that would totally change the vibe of like your engagement with the video, you know? Yeah, back then, you know, it, it was a lot different in terms of interacting with your, I guess, online audience. There wasn't the, uh, you know, instant feedback of people giving you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Mm -hmm. The way you knew somebody, you know, downloaded and liked your video was if somebody sent you an email or there was a, there was a lot of websites and a lot of forum discussions where people would share their AMV list and say okay these are all the amvs i have if somebody wants to take one and people would share like uh their list of amvs to share like on torrents and things like that so you know obviously me i i get curious every once in a while google my name and say okay mexican junior and amv let's see what comes up and then you'll see people like oh okay this guy's got like seven of my videos on his uh on his uh you know sharing folder uh, and that's that's kind of how you knew. Oh, okay. I asked somebody actually liked my work. Now it's completely different. Like you upload something to YouTube, and people will tell you right away if they don't like it. And mm -hmm. uh, or worse yet, they'll be like, uh, you know, you'll upload it thinking it's really good, and then maybe you'll get ten views in three months. And it's like, oh, okay. Yep. That's pretty. That's pretty humbling. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> the uh, the versions that I have on my YouTube channel right now are actually like the second and third iterations of those videos. So like I, there was a, a wave of AMVs I uploaded uh, probably around 2010 or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of them got taken down due to copyrights and things like that. Um, but those had a, had a lot of views and I hated losing them because mm -hmm. it's like, well, okay, you know, some of these have like 50 K hundred thousand views uh, and lots and lots of comments. But, you know, once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. So and then also at that time, I YouTube had a um, an upload limit on their files, too. So uh, I couldn't upload the highest quality versions of those videos. Like I have MPEG 2s of all of my videos that I've made. Mm -hmm. And uh, but back then uh, in all of those range between one to 200 meg. And uh, but back then uh, I was uploading ones that were under like 50 meg. Uh, so I was uploading XVID versions. Um, this was before I was doing M MP. Everybody was doing MP4. So mm -hmm. uh, I had MPEG-1 versions and XVID versions that I was uploading. So um, the quality uh, obviously degraded. Back then on YouTube especially, their compression was a little bit rougher than it is now. Yeah. Uh, if you upload an XVID in you know, 2010, man, you're going to see a lot of pixelation. A lot more than you do if you just saw the raw file. Yeah. So... Um, that definitely factored into people's comments as well. But it was nice to actually see, you know, 20,000 views, 50,000 views, things like that. But um, the versions that I have on there now are the MPEG-2 versions. Once I uh, was able to upload, you know, higher, higher file size uh, files like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but this wave of ones that I've uploaded that are higher quality you know, they're hovering, you know, maybe between 50 to 100, 150 views, 200 views. Some of them are a little bit higher, but it's definitely different. Yeah. <laughs> kind of wish I had those old view counts. Uh.
<laughs> you know, it comes and goes. So, I, this is just a really specific question, but with that, um, that Kiki's delivery service video, was that an MPEG too? Because it looked, it looked a little, a little. No, blocky. no. Okay, so uh, that one was uh, done with VHS capture, so I used the oh, capture card. Yeah, yeah. And and it was before I started working with Huffy files, which was like a lossless codec. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was I was editing. Uh, I want to say MJPEG files that were like, uh, and I was capturing at like 352 by 240 or something. <laughs> so, because uh, at the capture card that I was using was a USB capture card. This was before high speed USB. This was, <laughs> these were the old slow USB connections, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and slow cables. So, if I tried to capture at anything higher quality and anything higher resolution than, you know, 352 by 240, uh, I would get, you know, lost pixels left and right and frame wow. rates being dropped all over the place. So yeah. I had to I had to capture at a really, really low frame rate and uh, really, really small resolution in order for it to run smoothly. Um, and then when I did the video, uh, I couldn't obviously I didn't want to blow up the resolution because it would just make it look horrible. So I kept the resolution the way it was. So that that version that's on YouTube is an MPEG one that was, you know, 352 by 240 resolution or something like that yeah it, it's weird i've had a couple of people remaster my videos for me uh the i don't know if you've seen it but the utena video mm, uh liquid yeah. petals with uh the flower girl song yeah yeah uh that one i made in windows movie maker <laughs> and the original and the original version is a wmv uh <laughs> if if you watch that video there is a a comment at the beginning that says this is a remastered version by uh, I think his name was Michael Walter. Uh, his AMV.org name was Sukin, T-S-U-K-I-N, yeah. mm -hmm. who also uh, had a really, really popular AMV, you know, back in the old days. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but uh, I forgot what it's called, but it was like a high action, very bloody, very violent video, and it was awesome. <laughs> uh, I wish I knew the name of it, but it was it's fantastic. If, mm -hmm. you, if you search for that person's name stuck in, in YouTube, you'll probably find it. Uh, um, but it was, it was a tremendous video yeah. anyway. Uh, and what he reached out to me and he said, Hey, uh, I just wanted to let you know that I took that video and I remastered it <laughs> and, uh, I used DVD footage, uh, because that video, I downloaded the Utena movie, uh, straight off of Keza <laughs> and it had the subtitles in it and everything. <laughs> I, I was so limited in the footage I could use to make that video because I was purposely trying to avoid scenes with people talking yeah. because I couldn't that because since I was using Windows Movie Maker, I had no way to crop those subtitles out. Yep. And I knew enough back then to know that people hate subtitles in their AMVs. Yep. So I, I specifically looked only for scenes that had no subtitles and no talking and uh, some of the scenes where music was playing, I had to avoid because the the, mu the musical lyrics were at the bottom of the scenes. It was so <laughs> difficult. Uh, but yeah, uh, he he remastered the entire video, sent it to me uh, in a very high quality MP4, and he said, "Just do whatever you want with it. If you want to upload it, great. If not, just keep it for your own personal use. I have no expectations. Just I just wanted to do this." Yeah. Now, I was blown away yeah. that somebody would take the time to remaster a video that wasn't even theirs just because they felt like it. That was, And he was actually the second person that 
that wanted to do that. There was another person that tried to remaster that video and sent me a beta of that video, but he had changed it a little bit, but he used the same anime, he used the same song, and he was using DVD quality, um, and he, he, uh, he had changed some of the scenes, but he said, hey, is it cool if I you know, remaster basically your idea, use a lot of the same footage that you're using, uh, but maybe change it a little? And I said, yeah, I don't care. I'm, I don't own any of the footage. I don't own any of, of the ideas. You know, anybody, anybody can do what they want <laughs> with, yeah. with, you know, with what they want. I, I'm not one of those people that, you know, takes it seriously enough to get upset if somebody, you know, felt like they wanted to remake my video or even use footage from my video. I'm very laid back when it comes to that. I know a lot of other people are not like that, but <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a very laid back person when it comes to AMVs. And if you want to, do something like that go for it yeah i i that's not the only video too that people have remastered or changed or things like that mm. uh the money shot video also somebody <laughs> remastered that one uh it, there there's been a couple like that um and some of them uh i i'm cool with all of them obviously but some of them worked out better than others i guess you could say yeah yeah, yeah. oh that's great yeah. Well, speaking of money shot, this is something I, want, I was interested in is um, hentai music videos and stuff. There's something I, I've made a little bit of too, but it's still a scene I don't really know because, like, again, like you, there's no YouTube for it really. I mean, I guess you can go on X videos and Pornhub and stuff, but it all feels so scattered and stuff. Yeah, and even even that, like X videos, Pornhub. If you upload a video that has you know like actual copyrighted music it gets taken down pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> like I tried that in the early days of trying to find hosting for those videos. Cause people would ask me, Hey, where can I find this video? Yeah. Uh, is it on YouTube or anything? I was like, no, I mean, YouTube would take it away right away. Mm -hmm. So I tried to, you know, make accounts and, and upload those videos. And sometimes they would stick around for a little while, but most of the time they would get booted like right away. Wow. Like I, like, uh, but I, if you do a search, for money shot amv uh bible black relax all of the keywords yeah, yeah. uh it, there is some websites that's that have them nice uh but they're uh the resolution and the quality <laughs> on them looks so awful like like i don't i don't know what kind of compression those websites use but they it, it looks so bad and sometimes the, the sync is a little bit off too mm -hmm. um i always prefer if people have the patience for it if they would just download the the hosted version yeah. as a, an actual raw file, uh, just because that is the the best quality. There's not going to be any drop frames, or it's not going to be any. There won't be anything related to your internet connection or the connection of the site that will make the video seem off timing wise than it should. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, you're right. Uh, hentai AMVs was not a a big thing even in the early days mm. uh, there was a couple out there but they weren't all that popular because you know there was anime conventions weren't really that much in the business of uh showing those yeah. at least during normal you know convention hours uh but anime weekend atlanta uh was one of the early conventions that had a block uh in the the video art room which was the the, they called it the VAT, the video art track. Yeah, That's yeah. where they showed AMVs twenty four seven. They they would have late night showings, you know, from maybe midnight to two or something, of just hentai AMVs, and they actually had in their awards 
uh, awards specifically for adult videos. Yeah. And that's where I submitted a lot of my work. And I actually won uh, an award at Anime Weekend Atlanta for Money Shot. Um, <laughs> I won an award for the Tub Girl video. I won an award for the HAMV Hell video, which that one felt a little like cheating because that one was just all of the clips I used in AMV Hell Zero, yeah, which yeah. is uh, an AMV Hell dedicated specifically to hentai and really gross out stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I thought the the segments were so fun and so good that I wanted to be able to release that as its own separate video just for convention purposes. And mm -hmm. uh, the people that ran AMV Hell, uh, Zarzax, I don't know if you've heard of him, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Alan Klontz, and uh, Brian Moore, who was uh, SSGWTNBD, something like that. The the acronym was like some stupid guy with nothing better to do or something like that. <laughs> uh, he They were gracious enough to allow me to do that because it was their project. I was just submitting clips for that project. And they said, they said yeah, whatever you want to do is cool if you want to take all of those clips and make your own video out of it and submit it. As long as you do it, uh after the release of amv hell zero it's fine and yeah that's how it worked out yeah well that's awesome and so and those through those videos is actually kind of how i i'd heard of you at first a long time ago is that like the in the amv.org like discord server like they, they still mention it's like you know the only mention that i heard about you were almost like a kind of like troll editor like as far as the tell the girl the animation or some of your uh hmv hell like segments uh, so like was that your intention with those videos? Like, I mean, like they're obviously like very shocking and like, you know, yes. in that sense. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, so it, it's a funny story. When I, when I first started making videos and I was using windows movie maker, uh, during that windows movie maker time, I made a porn video called, it's called PFS, but it stands for points for sex. Mm. And, uh, it used, uh, that, uh, hentai parody, I think Sailor and the Seven Balls, yeah, which was a uh, like a parody of Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, had Neon Genesis Evangelion characters, Fist yep. of the North Star, all basically having at it, right? <laughs> so uh, I took that footage and I I made this silly video, uh, and I had a counter at at the bottom showing the amount of points everybody was getting for each sex sex act I was showing, yeah, and. Uh, after I made that video uh, and I shared it on amv.org, uh, the person that ran amv.org, uh, his name's Fade, Chris McCormick, uh, he was not too happy that I was doing that. <laughs> uh, and this was, I think this was before they were doing uh, file sharing as as a website. Yeah. Uh, they At the beginning, they called it the golden donut. That's uh, what they would call people that if you pledged a certain amount of money and donated, you know, you could upload as many videos as you want. And uh, it even had the little preview link, which was like an early version of what YouTube basically did. Yeah. Um, uh, he he did not really approve of of those videos so much. And he uh, he was like, well, if you are going to share it, you know, you know, you got to use your own hosting, obviously. And, you know, I, I don't really approve of, you know, this kind of thing. And I was like, I was like, okay. So the next a hentai AMV I made was Money Shot. And I, because of that interaction, I tried to make it as explicit and, <laughs> uh, 
nasty as possible. Yeah, yeah. Just because of that interaction I had with Fade, and I actually met Fade in person at AWA. Yeah. He's a he's a great guy, really nice. <laughs> I, but uh, I don't know something about kind of getting slapped on the wrist for the original one. Yeah. Made me want to make make them bigger and more gross and nasty <laughs> with every iteration. So yeah. I went from from and points for sex is I mean it's 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 nasty I mean I wouldn't even say it's gross or anything. It's it's just kind of kind of a funny video. Yeah. But every iteration after that I try to gross people out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh Tub Girl was kind of the well Tub Girl was kind of the culmination of that and then the HMV Hell stuff was basically uh Alan Klontz and Brian Moore telling me we want this project, this multi-editor project, to be as gross as possible. Oh. So make your clips, you know, as shocking as possible. Because that's yeah. what they were going for. They were going for shocking. I was like, well, you want shocking? I can give you, <laughs> I can give you shocking. Yeah. And I made, I don't, I don't know, eight, <laughs> eight clips. Yep. For them, they people joke that I made like half the video, which I didn't, but <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did make my fair share of, of videos. Uh, and it. And it came at the expense of other multi-editor projects that I was in, mm -hmm. uh, because during that time I was also in the uh, the video game AMV projects, the the NES project yeah. and the retro video game project and BG3, and uh, I was actually a coordinator for that. the The original NES project was actually an idea I came up with at Anime Weekend Atlanta. I don't know if you've ever seen that, uh, but at the beginning of it, there's actually a clip of me drunk off my ass talking about because i was we were uh, and I, I know i'm really getting into the weeds with this stuff but yeah do you have you heard of the dance dance revolution project another project i don't think so okay there there was a multi-editor project called the ddr projects and it was basically taking the dance dance revolution soundtrack and each each different song making us a, a mini amv for it yeah yeah and so we and it would always premiere at Anime Weekend Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, as me and all of my friends were watching this, we were like, you know what? We don't really I don't really like this music. Like <laughs> what what if we what if we took all of the old Nintendo like music, 8-bit music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And turn those into AMVs. I like those songs. Like mm -hmm. I like the Zelda theme song and the mario brothers theme song and yeah you know mike tyson's punch out theme song which was the video i ended up making for it yeah uh why don't we do that instead and that kind of got the ball rolling and you know we found all of these remixes on ocremix.org and vgmusic.org and uh that turned into that project but so i guess getting back to the amv hell stuff uh we were in the midst of doing, you know, I think the second or third iteration of that video game project while I was trying to make the videos for the AMV Hell Zero project. And my co-coordinators were not happy that I was spending so much time making hentai mini <laughs> AMVs and not finishing the project that was basically my project. Like, <laughs> and I am an actual coordinator. And I'm blowing that off just to make these small porn videos for somebody else's project that they have nothing to do with. So, yeah, kind of became a point of contention that year. That was like <laughs> 2005. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> you got it. You got. You got to commit to the bit, you know. Yeah, I mean, it. It. If you, if you go back and let's say 
you go on the amv.org forums and you do a search for hentai music videos uh my name would come up and people would say uh well if you want to talk hentai mvs you know this is the person that kind of got the ball rolling on it yeah and and sometimes i'll dispute that and i'll be like no no people were doing it you know way before me i'm not trying to take credit for any kind of movement or anything mm-hmm. and then people and then one of my friends uh his name is julian milo he was uh, have you ever heard of hyperdermic studios I, I not at the top of my head but i've probably seen him around his, his amv.org name was beowulf he mm. he made a really popular amv called uh it was using evangelion and radiohead the song was two plus two equals yeah, five yeah 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 like that yeah uh well, he and he was he was from Austin. So he was one of the guys I knew from the convention circuit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, don't try and backtrack on being, you know, the king of porn. You built your throne on a stack of hentai DVDs, for God's sakes. Don't don't backtrack now. Like, you might as well embrace it. And, I, and after he said that, you know, I was like, you know what? I am going to embrace it. Fuck it. Like, what do I care? <laughs> That's so fucking awesome, man. Because the. There's something, something beautiful in anti AMVs. You know, people don't get it. You know, and I, I think you, you tap into something really great in yours too. So, <laughs> props. Yeah. So after after Money Shot in 2003, uh, I there some categories at different conventions started opening up. Like there was a convention in Florida called AFO Anime Florida. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I won. Uh, they had a hentai category, and I won best uh, hentai video there. Uh, Yushikon, uh, which was the Austin convention, had a hentai category. Akon, mm-hmm. which was the Dallas one, had it. Um, so I, I was really at that time. I was really proud of that video because not only was it was I trying to be ten times nastier than the points for sex video. Yeah. But at that time, I had actually gotten really comfortable using Adobe Premiere, and all of the editing was really. I, I felt like I had really started hitting my stride yeah. from an editing standpoint uh, with beat syncs and lyric syncs. And, you know, I, I've never really been a huge effects guy, uh, but I started using transparencies and overlays. It was a big change for me from the straight cuts style of editing that I was doing in Windows Movie Maker. Uh, so I, at that time, I was really proud of that video. Now, you know, after that, you know, 2004, 2005, I got more familiar with Adobe Premiere, started using uh, a lot more transparency work, uh, rotoscoping, things like that. But uh, that that was the first time I had actually expanded, you know, my editing style a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember you have, like, on your AMV.org profile, you have, like, your top five videos. And Money Shot was number one. Would, would that change now? Like, what videos do you look back on most fondly now? Uh, I think... I would keep money shot number one Hell just yeah. because the reaction it got from people like at, at that time, like I said, a- hentai AMVs was not, you know, a hundred percent new, but I, I think that was the, one of the first times that an AMV that was a hentai AMV got kind of popular and, yeah. people, and it was almost mainstream kind of, it, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't really mainstream back then. People yeah. weren't really doing that and they weren't sharing it if they were uh, in, in public forums and public circles like if they did make something like that they would probably just show it to their friends or you know have some late night showing at some convention that you know only a certain amount of people were seeing i don't think people were releasing it you know 
worldwide like that on a forum as big as amv.org was at that time yeah so uh yeah that it i kind of felt really proud of that one and it and it was mainly not only because i thought it was a pretty good video uh people really reacted to it in a positive way and it i think it opened up uh a lot more conventions wanting to have uh hentai AMV showings and actual hentai AMV categories in their contests. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to say it changed everything, but I think it helped in a yeah. little way. You made the, you made the deep throat of AMVs. Like, look at you changing the game. <laughs> <laughs> the Debbie does Dallas of hentai AMVs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it obviously, you know, it's not something I can put on my resume, but it's, it's kind of a cool little thing to have in my, you know, in my cap, a little feather in my cap, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, you know, it's a, you influence the subculture. That's not something a lot of people can say. That's, that's so great. Speaking of hentai AMVs, uh, so two of the videos that I watched of yours, uh, mm-hmm. Lightworks uh, was the, that Suzy Wong stripper dancing yep. video. Yeah. I, I thought that one was really cool. It had a nice little lip sync in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I had good beat sync. Uh, I was curious, though, how much actual footage did you have? that you needed to stretch out into that like two minute video that that was like i don't know 40 seconds yeah, i was gonna say it felt like 40 to 45 seconds that you were really trying to get as much out of as possible yeah well, uh, with all of the you know the reverse camera angles and the <laughs> and the beat sync reversing back to the same beat sync and then uh, kind of reusing some of the footage, but I yeah. I liked it. I think it was really well done. All of the sync was on was definitely on point. Yeah, no, and that, that was like kind of a kind of a trip for me because I had kind of made it like a hard and fast rule before to never reuse footage in an AMV, just because I'd seen people do that before and it never struck me as particularly creative. It's like oh, I've seen this part before, and so it was the first video where I was like. I love this concept so much of just this singular scene and the way she moves. And it's so, like, no stripper would fucking dance like that. She's like, there's, there's so many shots in there that are just so weird. What anime was that? I, I It didn't look familiar to me at all. That, that's an old Rintaro OVA, like the guy who did, like, Metropolis and stuff. It's called Download Devil's Circuit that has this amazing energy. And, um, yeah, I just found that randomly. And I was listening to Jay Dill at the time, and then I, I saw that clip. I was like, I gotta do something with this. Like, this is so cool. It sounds cool. I, I probably need to check that out. The footage seemed really, really interesting, and uh, the song was very cool. So I oh. gave that one a thumbs up. Thank you. Uh, the other one that I saw, uh, Baby, Baby, which was a chick in the shower. Yeah. Uh, that one didn't have as much beat sync. Uh, mm. The chick was hot. Uh, you did have some really good transparency works toward the end. Mm. Uh, the only thing that uh, was kind of off-settling was the, uh, the censored footage uh, where it's just nothing but a glow stick yeah. that's in front of the gym <laughs> no, of the girl. I, I thought that was like really <laughs> funny. But I, and I, for Cream Lemon, I can't find an uncensored source for it. I've been looking around, man, and it's like, ugh. And I love, it's such a big series, too. Like, that was kind of, I, I, from what I've read, that was kind of like the first big hentai series to really like hit it big. And I re- there's so many cool stories. Hidaki Anno worked on a few episodes that are really amazing, but no uncensored version that I could find, which is a big piss-off. Well, and I, I had heard the title, but I had never seen it. It, it does look very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for checking those out. I really appreciate it. Uh. Uh, and it, it, since we're talking about uh, your AMVs, I also watched Destruct, the Eva <laughs> yeah. Talking Heads video. Yeah. I, I really like that one. Of the four <laughs> I saw, that's probably 
the one I really enjoyed the most. Yeah. Uh, it's so much action sync, your use of overlays, <laughs> that guitar video static effect you were using, uh, you know, where it made it look like the <laughs> the antenna was, was yeah. getting off kilter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was really cool. And then the ending was like <laughs> so cool. It was like all over the place. I, I'm a fan of chaos editing. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you, you had mentioned you had seen the Psycho Killer yeah. AMV that I did yeah. from 2000. I think it was a 2004. Mm -hmm. uh, I made that ending like try and be as chaotic as possible. Yeah, yeah. I used probably like. 10 different video tracks all overlaying on top of each other oh, man. Uh, just to make it look like really crazy and psychedelic. And, yeah. the, it, and your ending in that destruct video kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> uh, and then the, the Perot one, the Eva, and it was like a blues song. I wasn't familiar with the song, mm -hmm. but uh, it was really good uh, lyric sync with the movie footage kind of being in line with uh, the lyrics in the song. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a really good flow. It looked like he used Kari Kano in the yeah. middle. Yeah. Um, so yeah. he kind of kind of snuck that in. Like I was like, <laughs> whoa, that doesn't look like the same show. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and then uh, it had really cool ending with the, all of those eye close-ups overlaying on top of mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. I really like that part of it too. Oh, thank you. Um, if there, I mean, I don't know how many of my videos you've seen, but uh, I'm really big on lyric scenes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you hear a rose, man, you got to see that goddamn rose. You know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> The person that said that, his name is Tim Stair. Uh, he goes by Fluxmeister on AMV.org. Very, very popular AMV editor. It, I'm sure you've probably seen one of his videos uh, at some point. Mm -hmm. They're all over the place. Uh, he, he was a tremendous editor. He actually won the Masters Contest, uh, I want to say 2004, maybe. Oh, yeah. At, at, at AWA. Yeah. He actually got the green jacket and everything. Nice. Uh, so, but yeah, he was one of the co-coordinators on those video game projects the nest project and rvg um and he he was really a big influence on me and really helped me from a technical standpoint uh in back when i was starting to use adobe premiere uh, he was one of the people that wanted me to kind of expand my editing style because at the very beginning mm -hmm. um since i was doing a lot of straight cuts uh mm -hmm. in windows movie maker the only way i could really keep in in tune with the song uh is by just matching up whatever they're saying in the song to whatever footage i'm using yeah and uh it became kind of a running joke like uh like like tim would say if there's a rose if the, if he says rose in the song there better be a you know a fucking rose on the screen or yeah, else something yeah. is wrong and uh like uh, the grave of the fireflies video i did i don't know if you ever saw that one uh it was using the seasons in the sun song mm -hmm. the terry jack song yeah yeah uh there's a scene in there where the lyrics of the song say uh starfish on the beach yeah and i actually found a scene <laughs> with a starfish on the beach yeah, yeah. in grave of the fireflies <laughs> and uh there was another another editor uh his name is daniel chang dw chang is his org name he was mm -hmm. also from austin uh he he got a huge kick out of that <laughs> He's like, he's like, man, you actually took the time to find a starfish on the beach. And he, the bad thing is he says that twice in the song, <laughs> but I didn't, I'm like you, I didn't want to reuse the same scene. Yeah. So I used the other, the second time in that song, in that video that he says starfish on the beach, I have a, a, a scene of a crab walking on the beach. It's close. And it's, I was like, man, this is going to be close enough, but <laughs> 
I he never let me hear the end of it. He's like, that's a crab. That's not a starfish. You like, betrayed the audience. <laughs> yeah, you you've ruined it. This is all. This is this is now a zero. You've gone from a ten to zero because of this. So, but it, it's all in good fun. I, I I'm I'm huge on on lyric sync, and there was a time where. I, when I got to the point where I, I got better at editing and I got better at beat sync, mm-hmm. beat sync uh, felt more like a math equation yeah. than it did than it did like an actual uh, artistic endeavor, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, uh, because all I'm doing is timing out the wavelength on the audio file and saying, and say, okay, let me make a marker here, make a marker here, make a marker here. I need cuts here, 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 here. Uh, I need to bring the transparencies down to have the black strobes here, 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 here. It, it just feels like a math project. And uh, it doesn't feel uh, like a, you know, like something that's, that's flowing. Um, and there was a, there was a time where I wanted to get away from that kind of, that style of editing and uh, I'd focus more on just the feel of the song and the lyrics of the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, it, I kind of did both. Like, I mean, there's, there's videos of mine that is very, very beat sync heavy. Um, and then there's others where, like, I'm, like, not even paying attention to the beats. And it's just all lyrics. And it's just all how the song feels in relation to the scenes. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of all over the place when it comes to editing. Yeah, well, like, from seeing a couple of your earlier ones and then seeing that the Kiki's Delivery Service one, that felt like a kind of a breakthrough in terms of really meshing the lyrics and like the kind of just the feel of the song with the 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 footage, which obviously was like influenced by the fact that that was the first video where you had all the footage and stuff. So I, I could totally see that. Yeah, yeah, I was I was very limited in the early days since mm-hmm. I was just downloading clips and uh, I didn't, you know. I didn't have all the footage at my disposal. Again, I was trying really hard not to use subtitled footage, although there was instances where I had to, but uh, it it really, really made my pool of available footage uh, down to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll have to put this person talking here, even though it has nothing to do with the song, but I just need to fill this, you know, t- 10 second gap here. And uh, yeah, when, once I got to the point where I could, have my own footage and have everything at my disposal it really really opened up you know kind of the horizon on what i could do not only from an artistic endeavor but just from a quality standpoint of how good the video could be yeah yeah no i could see that and i mean i gotta pull up this one personal thing just because like you know obviously me starting to edit in like the the contemporary age or whatever um it's not hard to find footage for basically anything like if you you know go on any torrent track or anything you can usually find pretty much anything with you know only like yeah and it's and it's like the highest of high quality footage yep you know if they're mkv files you can get the subtitle files separate you don't even need to have them in there yep it is it is night and day like like if if i had come up during this era of amvs uh i would I would feel like this is like the easiest thing in the world <laughs> like, because it's, it's just so easy to get what you want. Like uh, in the early days, uh, not necessarily when I was downloading the clips, but when you would, you know, buy the DVDs and have to actually run, run them through all of these video processing apps and, uh, and then having to uh, run all of these scripts 
to get them to work in Adobe <laughs> Premiere, and, uh, having to replace the the original file, the raw you know VOB files with you know Huffy or MJPEG two versions of uh, of the files, and then doing a swap at the very end to get the highest quality possible. I mean, all of that was just a headache. But at that time, I mean, it seemed like a breakthrough in in a way to go about making your videos look great. Yeah. Um, but now you don't have to do any of that. <laughs> it's just you you download the high quality MP4, you plop it on your timeline and you just go. Yeah. And a lot of the effects that people were doing manually, they're just preset. Yeah. <laughs> they're preset templates in the software. Like uh I I remember, you know, especially in the video game AMVs I did, like the punch out and the you know altered beast video mm-hmm. uh, i spent a lot of time like taking uh, a lot of the backgrounds out on the sprites and uh you know removing you know using green screen uh coloration i i would i would take the frames import them into ms paint take out green out all of the background to only leave the silhouette of the person i wanted yeah for every frame for maybe a 10 second span. Oh my God. Just to get 10 seconds of uh, a transparency of having somebody dunking a ball with the video game footage going in the background. And that would take me hours. Wow. And now it's like you could do that in like five seconds. Yep. Just, you know, with the apps that are out there. Yeah. So it feels like a nirvana of, of AMV making. Mm-hmm. I know, well, I mean, I do got to. I do gotta say, I did have one experience where I did have to go through a bit of a rigmarole to get some footage. It was for this really obscure OVA called Blue Butterfly Fish. Um, I, I had this really oceany song that I really wanted to make an AMV for, and I was looking through every ocean anime I could find, and none of them felt right except for this one that was only available on. I forget where it was like daily motion or something and it had hard coded subs and I tried to work around and I was like, there's no way like they talk over so much. <laughs> so I ended up tracking where they were they were the subtitles like covering the whole screen to the point where you couldn't crop them. Like it was a substantial portion. Like they were pretty big on the bottom and like yellow and stuff. I was just like, Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> um, so I managed to track down a, a single laser disc copy from Japan, like just like through some bootleg, like laser wow. disc selling site. And that is I, dedication. <laughs> I just, well, I needed this footage and it was pretty cheap. It was only like 15 bucks to order it. So I was like, okay. So I bought it and my dad just happened to have a laser disc player like laying around. And I was just like, well, I guess I gotta, this is what I gotta do. So I hooked up a capture card and I did it. And I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, I got this footage. Like, this is mine. It felt cool. (laughs) Yeah. That, that feeling of accomplishment is probably way different (laughs) uh, now than it is back then, because, you know, you can just download almost anything you want. Right. Uh, Back then, like, especially for hentai AMVs, it was not easy (laughs) to find whatever hentai you were looking for back then. Uh, they weren't as readily available. Uh, a lot of times uh, it's weird. Like Money Shot, for example, uh, I made that video before the Bible Black DVDs were actually available to buy. Oh, yeah. So uh, I download. I want to say I used Kaiser or something to download uh, the Bible Black episodes uh, just specifically for that AMV. And uh, when I made it, and I, I, I submitted it to Akon, the Dallas convention, and it, it won that award. I went to the dealer's room, and in the dealer's room, the 
one of the guys that licensed Bible Black was there. <laughs> and I was talking to him and he was, you know, saying, yeah, I, I, you know, I was there at the showing. I loved your video. It was great. Uh, and he said, you know, he was showing me the where the DVDs were. And he said, hey, you know, I have I have all of those DVDs if you ever wanted to remaster those, uh, you know, because, it, you know, I really liked how it came out. And uh, it was funny because I I mentioned during our conversation how I got came about getting that footage. Yeah. And the conversation kind of turned <laughs> a little bit <laughs> when I mentioned, yeah, you know, I downloaded the footage and that's how, you know, I ended up getting it. And he's like, well you can change that now. And he's kind of pointing <laughs> at the DVDs, like wanting me to buy them yeah. real, retroactively. I was like, well, I kind of don't need it anymore, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I ended up getting it be, just in case you never know if you are, you may, I don't really go to the well more than once on a lot of animes. Mm -hmm. You know, once I make uh, a video using a specific anime, I'm kind of done with it. Unless it's a multi-editor project where I'm just making a little segment, yeah. And the those Bible Black DVDs ended up paying off because I ended up using them uh, to make you know some of those those mini clips for AMV Hell Zero. So mm -hmm. I guess it paid off. But uh, he more guilted me into buying them than anything. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh man, yeah, AMVs. Um, was it something? Like, this is kind of a tangent now. So if you, if you have any closing words on AMVs while we're still here, uh, if there's anything else you wanted to say about them, that'd be good, because I kind of got a, a different thing we could talk yeah, about. Yeah, like, uh, I, I will say that that time period from 2000 to 2006 was w one of the funnest times of my life, not only be with the editing, because, you know, editing, it's, it's very time-consuming depending on how much effort you put into it, right? Like, and it can be kind of a pain, especially if you've got other things going on in your life, work and stuff like that, yeah. family. Um, but the feeling of accomplishment when you finish something and you show it to your friends and you release it, you know, on the form and you wait for that feedback. And when you actually submit it to a convention, that feeling of pride after making something like that, that you did all on your own, after hours and hours of struggle and strife is just is it's there's nothing like it from a you know feelings I, mean, I would imagine i mean it's not exactly the same but i would imagine it's how like a musician feels after they've you know made a song and made an album like uh it's, it's something similar i i love that time frame because of the feeling of accomplishment i had and because uh from a community standpoint you know amb editors were some of the nicest and funniest people I ever met and um I met a lot of them in person and they were all sometimes people come off kind of jerkish in a in forums sometimes kind of snobbish but when you meet them in person you know it's never it's never like that yeah people are always so nice I I, I did not have one bad in-person encounter with anybody I ever met on amv.org or just AMVs in general. It yeah. was it was an awesome time. That's awesome. And actually, I, I don't know if you know this, but mm. uh, during that time frame, uh, one of one of my best friends now, and he was a really good friend of mine back then, who actually gave me my first version of Adobe Premiere. <laughs> uh, he actually burned the software and gave it to me, and that's <laughs> what I used. Yeah. Uh, so as you can see, there was a lot of bootlegging going on uh, early in my 
my AMV journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was Carlos Corral. He ran Mind Warp Entertainment Studios. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has some very, very famous AMVs. Uh, the Naruto one, the yeah, whatever, uh, United States of whatever AMV. Yeah, you ever yeah. seen that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did that one. He did one called, uh, I forgot the, the actual name of it, but it was a corn dead bodies everywhere AMV that had nothing but killing and death. Yeah. And yeah, he made that one too. Uh, that's probably one of his most popular videos ever. Uh, but uh, at that time, me and him actually started making a, uh, anime convention documentaries that are out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, we made a we made a documentary of the Yushikon experience it was about 30 minutes long. Uh, and we made an uh, an Akon documentary, which is probably an hour or two long, actually. And uh, it kind of showed uh, what that experience was like. I don't I don't know. Have you ever gone to an anime convention? I've been to a few. Um... I know there's a there's a big one in Canada. Uh, one of the guys that was really big and really active in the AMV community, his name is Vlad G. Ponert. Okay, yeah, yeah. Have you have you heard of him? I think so. Uh, he yeah. he has some very very famous AMVs. Uh he uh he he ran the the video art track at Awa for a little while too, mm. but uh he's he was Cana- he's Canadian and I think he ran uh a, an anime convention or at least the video part of it uh in Canada. I forgot the name of it, but uh he 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 was a he was a big big mentor to a lot of AMV editors, and he made some of the most famous AMVs out there. Uh, but uh, he, when it comes to conventions and kind of the the life of it, uh, those documentaries, even though I, I'm sure he's not proud of some of his antics, Carlos, <laughs> uh, they were some of the funnest. Uh, and funniest times and it's all on footage and documented and uh, it kind of shows you the ins and outs of not only the AMV community but just the anime community which I think is an awesome community yeah um, so uh, he probably doesn't have them up for download anywhere because he actually ran for councilman of his city <laughs> uh, couple of years ago yeah yeah and uh if i i was joking with him and you know if that footage ever came out because i have copies of all those documentaries uh yeah your your opponent would probably use it against you <laughs> uh and kind of you know, make you not turn out to be the guy that they people would want to vote for but, yeah yeah uh, so yeah he has me he has me uh pretty much locked in that i can never release any of that footage <laughs> That's all, that's like a time capsule now. Like that's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, I remember 2003. <laughs> that was <laughs> such a good time. Like yeah. it's very, very, uh, very much a uh, time capsule of what was going on during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so great that you mentioned the sense of pride you get when making an AMV. Like, it really is a form of artistry. And, like, it's, you know, it's the worst when people are like, well, you didn't make the music. You didn't make the footage. And it's like, well, like, a painter doesn't mend the canvas or whatever. He doesn't make that. Like, you know, it's like, it's whatever you use to express yourself, you know. And it's still, it's still a form of artistry, regardless of whatever the preconceptions are. I think a lot of people kind of have that opinion that, AMVs are kind of an, a lazy art form because mm-hmm. you're not creating the, the video, you're not creating the audio, you're basically just being a remixer of something that already exists. And I, I cannot disagree more because 
you're taking those things and you're building something completely different. Mm-hmm. And and there is a lot of uh, thought and work that gets put into making something that you can actually be proud of. Mm-hmm. I mean, there obviously there's always going to be examples where people just throw stuff together and yeah. call it an AMV. Uh, but if you if you really go back and look at the most popular AMVs, the ones that stood the test of time, uh, you can you can see all of the work they put in, especially if you're another editor. Like, yeah. um, like one of the most famous AMVs of all time is one called Euphoria yeah. by Kupaskiva, Jay Nailing, who a- actually Jay Nailing is part of our, well, he was part of our anime music video studio, Random destination productions mm-hmm. um he actually joined it before he made euphoria oh and and we we all felt like it was a huge coup like, <laughs> like man we got we bought early on this stock and look at how it's turned into apple and like <laughs> yeah yeah because he became one of the greatest and most influential amv editors of all time mm-hmm. uh, but yeah he is actually in our if you go to you know randomdestinations.net or whatever it is, uh, he is listed as one of our AMV editors, and it was it was a production studio created uh, by me and a, a guy named Jonathan Watson, uh, who's uh, Adiamonte on AMV.org, and uh, Brian Nickerson, who is Rosard on AMV.org. Uh, we created it initially, and uh, we were recruiting amv editors and we actually had open tryouts and he said well if you want to be part of our because at that time like like i mentioned before there wasn't a lot of people just giving away hosting of your videos and bandwidth yeah uh it was expensive i mean people were spending you know 50 bucks a month <laughs> to to have their website up and you know be able to upload files and have them downloaded and they were they did not take kindly to uh you know, really high spikes in bandwidth. You know, if they noticed that you were you were sharing something too much, they looked for ways to get out of it. And if they saw that you were hosting copyrighted material, which is what they considered AMVs to be, you got you got a cease and desist and cancellation on your hosting service right away. Um, but uh, Jonathan was hosting it off of his own server, so it was a it was a big. I guess, prize to people to be able to host their videos somewhere that wasn't a third party hosting. It was somebody hosting it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a lot of people that tried out and, uh, Coop, uh, Jay Nailing was one of them. And it was before he made euphoria. He had actually, we accepted him because he made a, another video, a, an Evangelion video. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but it was like a Ray, it was called like Ray Damaged Remix. Yeah, that's uh, Season's favorite AMV, the you know, the, the one AMV critic or whatever. It's, uh, yeah. I, I saw that because of that, yeah. Yeah, Jay submitted that video as his tryout <laughs> for, uh, for being a part of our studio. And it was a very, very close decision. Uh, it was him and another guy named uh kirk fryer uh his amv.org name was pyromaniac yeah and he he actually made a really famous video but it wasn't an amv he made the family guy video with mortal Kombat. <laughs> have you seen that one i don't it's, think it's, so it, it's a very popular video like if you go <laughs> on youtube and you do a search for family guy mortal Kombat, there's going to be tons of 
hits that you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. It's a very famous video, but uh, he he uh, tried out also, and we almost took him oh. instead of instead of Coop because we knew him. He 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 was somebody that we had had more interaction with. Mm. We didn't really know Jay all that well. He was in Chicago, um, and we were all in Texas, so we never met him in person. Uh, we were kind of just taking a flyer based on the video quality and his, we thought was a little bit better than Pi's. So we had to give Pi the bad news. And obviously he went on to make that popular family guy video, but, Mm -hmm. uh, Jay turned around and maybe a couple of months after he got brought into the, the fold in our studio, uh, he made euphoria and, uh, it became one of the greatest amvs of all time like if you go and at the the ranking of amv.org based on their scores and their reviews and stuff it's it's got to be up there top 10 probably yeah uh yeah so that became a huge coup for us (laughs) because the rest of us kind of (laughs) sucked so uh to to land a superstar like that it's getting like getting lebron on your team you know yeah yeah like, oh man, can't believe he's going to carry us to the promised land, whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and that's because I never even really considered, like, when I first got into AMVs, seeing like studios and stuff like that, I was just kind of like, what's the, like, like, I didn't see why it was such a big thing. I was like, well, what's the, like, the benefits you get from this? But thinking of that in terms of the hosting stuff and just like, yeah, you know. that was the, that was the main thing. Yeah. Uh, most people, they would just, they would fly solo, right? Yeah. But like I said, it was expensive. It was before AMV.org was hosting AMVs. They were, yeah. like I said, they were just kind of a catalog website. Mm-hmm. So people had to pay for their own hosting if they wanted to get their video seen by anybody. Uh, this was way before YouTube. So uh, the benefit of joining a studio is that, you know, maybe one person uh, is you know, paying for the service and everybody would just pitch in. And instead of paying, you know, 50 bucks a month, maybe everybody's only paying 10 yeah. uh, to get the to get your files and your videos hosted. And, uh, you know, it was it was and also not only that, but it was also kind of a nice networking opportunity to and have kind of uh, a group of people that would help each other. Like, you know, if you're part of a studio you know, if maybe you need a specific anime, maybe one of the other people in your studio has it. Yeah. They'll, they're more than willing to, to say, okay, well, let me send you the DVD or let me, let me rip the DVD and send you the, you know, send you the file or something. Yeah. Uh, back then, a lot of times people were sharing, you know, before, you know, peer to peer, they would just set up a, a transfer queue in, in aim chat. <laughs> and, you know, two days later, maybe you would have a whole episode of something or a whole <laughs> a whole anime movie mm-hmm. um but that's how we would kind of share uh footage if we all had different ideas um and we would sometimes we would be in an aim, uh, aim chats together as a group and just throw out ideas some of the things we're working on give betas uh get feedback on some of the early betas that you were working on there there was a lot of other things outside of the hosting that kind of made it appealing yeah uh, being able to get all of that feedback too mm-hmm. damn yeah. So something in particular I just got to ask about AMVs just because this was the video that um, kind of like alerted me to the fact that I had to talk to you was that uh, that Video Girl Eye video with the, the NXS song. Um, and like I saw that and it just blew my mind. And then when I saw the description was made in 2003, I was just like, oh my God. 
I, so just this is my selfish, you know, using this time. What was the like? What was the inspiration behind that video? Do you have anything like to talk about there? Because I, that video just blew me away. Yeah. So it's funny. The I have two videos in my catalog that were made specifically for somebody else. Mm. There, in both instances, I was enamored with a girl that I <laughs> that was another. In both instances, there was a girl. There were girls that I was talking to online that were other AMV editors that uh you know i was infatuated with and that specific video the nxs video um i was actually engaged to that girl oh, wow. <laughs> she, but she lived in florida i lived in texas um uh, her name was uh brandy yeah uh her amv.org name was tutterbutter on amv.org uh, but uh the year before i had made a, a different video uh it was the um Oh my goddess movie video with the BG song How yeah. Deep Is Your Love? Yeah, yeah. Uh for a different girl, her name was Kat. And uh at the beginning, I don't know if you saw that video or not, but mm -hmm. yeah. At the beginning of it, there's a little audio recording of her saying, "Hey, you know, I love you" or whatever something oh. like that, right? Uh that was actually a voicemail she had left me. Uh <laughs> and I put that at the beginning and then, you know, the video is all sappy and stuff. I get a lot of I get a lot of hell from a lot of my friends for that one because I, I went from making all these hardcore porn videos to make <laughs> the sappy romance video, which is completely out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I made that video for her and, you know, we never even met each other. We never did nothing. None, none of it worked out. I mean, she was, you know, she was in a relationship with somebody else. It was it was just more kind of an in the time infatuation. Mm -hmm. uh, but the year after, when I started talking to Brandy, she actually started talking to me because she had seen that video i had made for the other girl oh, the and, and thought it yeah and kind of thought it was like a sweet gesture and it was really romantic yeah. and i think that's what kind of reeled her in to want to you know talk to me thinking i was a sweet guy which, yeah you know, obviously i was pretending the whole time but <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh, as our relationship grew and I actually went and I visited her in Florida a couple of times. Uh, and then um, in one of the documentaries that we did that me and Carlos Corral did, we did a documentary where we were at Anime Week in Atlanta. And there is at that convention, I proposed to her during an AMV panel that me and Tim Stair were hosting in, in the uh, VAT room. Yeah, because um, we actually uh, at that time more Tim than me, but we were popular enough to where the convention said, OK, we're going to give you a two hour block to talk about whatever you want to talk about and show whatever videos you want to show. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this would be a great opportunity <laughs> for me to get a wedding ring, yeah. have her come on stage in front of, you know, 100 people or however many people were in there at the time and you know propose and get down on a knee and everything there's actually and it's actually part of the one of the documentaries oh my god uh which uh none of those are uploaded anywhere thank goodness but because <laughs> it's really embarrassing <laughs> uh it wasn't long after that that we broke up and uh it was funny when we broke up the um i had already quit my job i had already rented a u-haul and I had broken my lease yeah. to, to live in Florida. Oh. And maybe a couple of days before I was set to drive the U-Haul and move all of my stuff into it, uh, I got an email or something from her uh, saying, hey, 
I, I don't think I can do this. I'm going to go live with my parents in Maryland. So, uh, yeah, good luck with whatever you have going on. <laughs> so that whole thing fell through. And again, it's another one of those videos that my friends give me hell for because it's a time period in my life that I am very embarrassed about because I went, I jumped through all of these hoops and yeah. did all of this stuff for her just to pull the rug out from under me. It was, uh, it was a mess. Uh. But that video, I made it because during some of the time that we were talking to each other, she would bring up the other video I made for the other girl yeah, and be like, well, I mean, you must have really cared a lot about her. <laughs> you took the time she to actually one of make her you, to make her this video. I don't see any video for me. <laughs> so I was almost forced you got reeled in. to make that video. <laughs> and it was during the time of, I want to say the second iteration of the video game projects so i had to take time away from that to make this sappy romance video which <laughs> i'm being forced to do just out of guilt <laughs> because of everything that we're talking about the other coordinators of the video game projects were not happy with me they said you know instead of you know working on my videos which are due in a month because they have to I, we have to have them done in a certain time period in order for the convention to accept them. Yeah, like for the deadline, and actually yeah. and have a block of time devoted to it. Yeah. Uh, so I was on a very tight schedule. <laughs> so, so they're they're all waiting for me, asking me every day. Okay, so what's the status on your video? You know, because I need I need to know when I can start compiling uh, all of the videos together. Yeah. Uh, and and I have to tell them, well, I'm I'm making this video that you know Brandy wants me to make. <laughs> I'll get to I'll get to that other video in maybe a week or two. Like, <laughs> and they were they were very very disappointed in me. It, you broke the bros it, before hose law, man. I, How could you? I, yeah, I absolutely. It, it, I, uh, Tim Stair and I were really close friends at that time, and we kind of drifted apart. He lives in Seattle and he's married and stuff, so mm -hmm. he's kind of out of the A and B scene. But uh, during that time, we talked to each other every day because we were giving each other updates on not just our own personal videos that we were contributing to that project. We were also in charge of, you know, quality control and all the other yeah. videos and all the other betas and uh, working with people on their concepts. It was, it was a lot of work. Um, and he, he, well, that was, I would say that was one of the things that really put a little bit of a wedge between us that I was working on all of these other non-project related things and that video was definitely one of them and oh. was not happy. He was, he was not happy about it, but uh, she was thrilled about the video. <laughs> in fact, she turned around and made a video for me in response to the one I made for her. It turned into a gigantic sappy love fest kind of deal, <laughs> which ended up turning into us not even, not even being with each other. And like I said, pulling the rug out from under me, you know, days before I was supposed to, change my entire life and live in florida and which is you know thousands and thousands of miles away from texas yeah it's a funny title now you know never tear us apart well yeah yeah the, the name the name of the video is called siempre juntos which is, is spanish for always together and so it was the exact <laughs> it was the exact opposite <laughs> of oh what gosh. that video was representing at the end of the video i don't know if you ever made it to the credits but mm. 
there's a little thing that says, you know, love forever, Mrs. MJ or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I saw that. I was wondering what that was. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's what she would call herself. Like, uh, she went with me to, or I'm not going to say went with, with me. We would meet mm. uh, at Anime Weekend Atlanta. I think there was two years where we did that. Uh, and she would, re- as we re- we would be walking around and talking to other editors, she would refer to herself as Mrs. MJ, which is what everybody called me instead of just say- calling me Mexican Junior. They said, "Hey, MJ, how's it going?" It, yeah. They they coordinated, so she would refer to herself as Mrs. MJ, and that's <laughs> why that note at the end yeah. says that. Wow, you crazy! So, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't as uh, glamorous a story as you probably thought. <laughs> You know, that's even better, man. That's I mean, it's not better for you, but you know, the lore of it. There's something magic about that. That's great. Uh, and I, I probably spent like an actual editing and stuff and concepts, you know, thoughts and things. It probably took me about two weeks, maybe, to make that one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Like again, it was. I, I had such a weird moment with that video because I was watching. I was listening to the Donnie Darko director's commentary. And, uh, you know, like that song plays in the opening. I was like, man, I, I love this freaking song. And then I, I looked up AMBs, and yours was like the fourth result. And I was just like, oh, Video Girl Eye, I just seen that recently. And I was like, let's go. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, it just took me for a ride. But that's, that's really funny, knowing the backstory. And the... Yeah, the, the source footage selection was mainly only because uh, somebody had given me, I think I actually want it, mm. uh, the Video Girl AI ova dvds mm-hmm. i think i had won uh some amv a- contests and back then they would give you in addition to a trophy they would give you dvds and stuff or yeah. maybe give you uh like uh vouchers for the dealer room like maybe a hundred dollar voucher to go get whatever you want from the dealer room yeah um but i'm pretty sure that i, I don't i don't see why i would have bought that video out of <laughs> my own free will I'm, i i'm pretty sure it was part of some uh AMV contest winning package. Yeah, and that's the only reason I use that footage is because <laughs> it was it was the only real sappy, romancy anime that I had at that time that in DVD format. So it's the only reason I used it. <laughs> well, well, the, the sad sappy bastards of the world. Thank you for it. That's all. That's all I got to say about it. Now I will say, from a technical standpoint, um, I did put a lot of work into the beat sync on that yeah, one. Yeah, uh, there was. Uh, there was a lot of uh, transparency work I did. Yeah, man, that's that crazy. Recall. And the uh, the end with him going up the steps, the glass steps and yeah. breaking. Yeah. That footage was really hard to work with because in the DVD, that footage is hard subbed. Really? Um, so if you'll with notice. the lyrics to the song in the back? Yeah, the lyrics yeah. of the song. Yeah. They, it wasn't like a separate subtitle file that I could extract or oh, exclude. Oh, man. It was hard coded into the footage. So. I had to crop it out and resize the video. So if you'll notice, and people, some people think that it was like an artistic uh, uh, choice I made yeah. to make the footage look a little, I don't know, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say pixelated, yeah. but uh, you could tell the aspect ratio is off and there's yeah. interlacing. And yeah. people think that that was like a, an intended effect. Yeah. And it's not. It's just that I cropped all of the, the lyrics out of that video and I resized it, and I didn't deinterlace it properly. So yeah. it's kind of got like a weird, it's kind of got like a little weird, I don't know, 
image to it. Yeah, well, uh, I thought but that people, was so, so cool. People yeah. liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it wasn't on purpose. It was just, <laughs> it was a technical error on my part. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome! Oh my god, yeah. Because I was thinking because I I've been through Video Girl I was planning on doing a video for it, so I've been shopping after it, so I knew what those things looked like. And I was like, man, he's doing. Man, this guy's getting like subtextual. He's getting creative, doing like messing with the interlacing and stuff. But uh, you know, it was just necessity. Yeah. That's so. It funny. was all just bad interlacing. <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome! I, I was uh, I was getting a little worried earlier when you said you made two videos for girls, and I was just like, if he says tub girl for the other one, I'm just like, I don't know, I, I don't know what I gotta say to this guy. No, in fact, the uh, one of the things that drew me to the girl that I made the NXS video for is she was a huge hentai fan, and she <laughs> loved she at that time I had only made money shots, and she loved money shots. Oh man! And I was like, oh man, how can I not? you know close the deal with this chick i mean <laughs> she loves hentai she loves all my videos she loves my nastiest video i've ever made yeah i mean this how you know how can i say no to this like you know <laughs> I, th I think that's one of the reasons why you know we became so infatuated with each other yeah uh so yeah yeah it, i didn't make it for her but uh it was definitely one of the reasons why i kind of wanted to try and keep you know keep our relationship going yeah wow it was there now I gotta know: Was there any any of your videos made in the aftermath of that? Like, was any... yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, in two thousand four, uh, after we had kind of broken up, and even after that incident where you know she didn't want me to come down to Florida after I made all these plans, yeah. Uh, we we still talked to each other online, you know, trying to figure out what happened and seeing if maybe there could be any kind of reconciliation. Uh, between you know mid 2003 and mid 2004 uh and around 2004 once things started getting more and more apparent that i'm getting screwed over here yeah uh i was angry mm -hmm. and that was one of the i guess inspirations to the psycho killer i was about to say like, I was like that's gotta be the one like right? i felt i felt really distraught and i actually went into the amv.org chat uh, they had an, uh, an IRC channel uh, and a lot of editors would go in there and hang out and share betas and just talk about whatever. And I went in there and I said, hey, uh, what is the like one of the most I'm feeling really angry is can you guys recommend me like a really violent <laughs> over the top <laughs> anime? Uh, I feel like creating something really violent. And uh, it was uh there was an editor, it's a girl, her name uh, on the org, I want to say is Aqua Sky. She, she, she was a really popular editor. Uh, I think right now she's actually like a Twitch streamer or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, she was the one that said, yeah, you should check out, you know, this Itchy the Killer uh, anime. And I, I had heard of Itchy the Killer, the movie. Yeah, like the Mikkei film, yeah. Yeah, but I had never, I had never uh, heard of the anime and it was kind of like a prequel. Mm -hmm. uh to the movie uh kind of showing the backstory of the guy i said okay i'll check it out and you know it's a it's a very short ova you know maybe an hour or two uh so it wasn't a lot of footage for me to have to comb through yeah and uh so i said okay this would be a good fit with this song and um <laughs> uh, i i, I want to say i worked on it a couple of weeks yeah. again another video that i worked on instead of the video <laughs> game project so that, comes back man yeah, like uh, it's funny because those video game projects, uh, we would have the concept and the idea of what we wanted to do right 
after the premiere of it the year before. Yeah. So like we would make these projects with the uh, sole intent of having them premiere at Anime Week in Atlanta because that was the biggest anime AMV convention out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we would spend all this time working on it. We would release the you know premiere it, and then we also would you know, shop it to other conventions. We we had it show at uh, uh, Anime Expo in Los Angeles, which is another big one, uh, AX, uh, and then. You know, right after that, maybe we would take a month or two off and then we would start getting to work on the next one and say, okay, what do we want to do for part two? Instead of just Nintendo remixes, let's open it up to Sega and Super Nintendo and, you know, TurboGrafx 16, whatever everybody wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we would say, okay, well, we're at the beginning of the year, let's say in January. Let's start working on these videos and, you know, we need to have them all kind of finished and compiled, you know, sometime in August because uh, Anime Week in Atlanta was always in September. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we had like eight months. So in that time span, when I'm supposed to be working on these videos, I, I know that the coordinators wanted me to work on those first. <laughs> But those always ended up being the last ones I worked on, <laughs> you know, finishing them up right before August, you know, and it's also in the middle of football season. So like they would reach out to me during, you know, cowboy games and stuff. I'm like, I can't work on it. I'm in the middle of a cowboy game. Leave me alone. Like <laughs> football season took priority. Uh, at that time, I was big into playing Madden on Xbox. Yeah, so yeah. like uh, they would reach out to me. Hey, how's your video coming? I don't know. I'm in the middle of a Madden season. I don't have time for that right now. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. So uh, in any video I worked on and finished in that time frame that I should have been working on those project videos was always a huge point of contention for the other coordinators. Like, yeah. You know, you're setting a bad example for all the other people that were wanting to have their videos finished first when the actual head of the project <laughs> is the one that is procrastinating the most on what they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I was like, I know, I know. It's, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I'm very scatterbrained sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I'll just, I'll get a uh, sudden inspiration and, and I'll, want to work on it for like two weeks and just forget about everything else that's kind of i think a lot of amv editors are like that yeah things things kind of just inspire you out of nowhere and you're like okay i want to work on this and forget about everything else that i could have another amv that i was working on 95 percent done yeah and all of a sudden something else some other idea will will come up and i'm like you know what forget that 95 percent video i'm going to work on this one for three weeks mm -hmm. And then I'll get 50% done on that one. And then some other AMV idea will pop up in my head. And then I'll work on a third video with the 95% video and the 50% video just kind of sitting out there in, in the waiting queue. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. all over the place sometimes. Yeah. And, well, because, like, I think it's a medium born so much out of just, like, you know, serendipitous, like, combinations. It's like you suddenly you just – you're feeling a song one day and then you think of an anime and it's just like, that's it. Like, I got to chase that. And, I mean, hey, you know, it worked out. Like, I mean, although, you know, the people at the time were probably hoping you'd get on the multi-editor projects, I mean, what made me reach out to you was a video that you just did on a whim and then the other videos – yeah, That I friends. got guilted into making. <laughs> Which is that, <laughs> so funny, man. Like, I can't get over that. It's so good. But, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you just got to chase the vibe and, like, it worked out. It worked out in the end. I mean, just because you uh, – you followed what the what you had to do that's so good yeah like uh sometimes it's almost like a fear that you'll lose 
the idea like yeah. you'll you'll be driving one day you'll be listening to music and then something will just pop in your head mm-hmm. and you it's such a good idea to you at the time that you get scared that you're going to forget or lose the drive to work on it. Yeah. So you just have to, as soon as you get home, you just got to start the project files. You got to start compiling the source footage Yep. uh, because you don't want to forget it. And you don't want to lose the feeling you had when you thought of what it could be. If you put the time and work into it, Yeah. Uh, that that's really what drives a lot of people. And it drove me at that time. For yeah. Sure. I can't count like how many products I'm just like, ah, oh, but I, you know, I got stuff going on and I'll just put it off and like, you know, I'll come back to it like a few days later. I'm just like, why did I even think this was such a good idea? Even though I know if I would have chased it at the time, I could have had a, like had a video by the end that would have been something. Oh man. To. The amount of abandoned projects and betas of unfinished videos could fill a museum like like i have a i have a folder in my on my hard drive of just unfinished betas and you know mini videos and probably about 50 files in there of of things that i started on and just never got around to finishing um there's a lot of iron chef videos in there too um i i don't know uh if you were familiar with that concept but in in their early to mid 2000s a lot of people were doing these iron chef contests where they would say okay we're going to give you two hours uh make the best video you can in two hours and sometimes they would give you the source footage and the song to use uh they would actually have tournaments and like march madness style brackets uh i i competed in like three of them (laughs) i never got past the second round but uh because there's editors way faster and way better than me uh, I, 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 it normally takes me a lot of time to kind of get something to the point where I feel good about it. Yeah. So those, the two hour rush jobs are, were really hard for me to, to master. Uh, but they even, at even conventions, they had live at iron chefs going where, uh, the editors were, would edit against each other in real time yeah. in person. Um, so I, I probably have maybe six or seven of those, not just the amv.org uh, built ones, but like a lot of times people would get in the in the ERC chat or the AIM, the AIM chats for amv.org and just challenge each other and say, hey, let's do an Iron Chef. Why don't me and so-and-so do something? Give us a source and a song and give us two hours and then you you guys tell well we'll upload the files and you guys tell us who wins mm-hmm. it would be it could be really informal like that sometimes. yeah 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 no i can see that well like and i know you feel about like spending more time on projects because for me i'm always so paranoid if i haven't been shot for shot through the, the source i'm using like i at every, the start of every video for me is I go through the thing and just cut up every shot because I'm just always so nervous that I'll forget something if it's just in a big chunk of video or something. I'm just like, oh, maybe that shot worked great there or something. So that's always like a big part of the process for me when I'm making those sort of videos. Yeah, like my my workflow usually is I'll at that time I would print out the lyrics mm. and I would say, OK, uh, these are the lyrics that I'm going to try and highlight in my footage. And I would take a pass through the source material. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but like in a, a lot of my AMVs are not long series. Mm. A lot of them are movies, OVAs, yep. uh, limited amounts of episodes because I, I just didn't have the patience to sit through like, you know, maybe three seasons, you know, 72 episodes of <laughs> whatever show to try and find the right footage. 
I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of my AMVs uh, revolve strictly around really small amounts of time, like two hour movies and things like that. Uh, But uh, I will take a pass through that footage just to try and find the things that are highlighted in the lyrics. Um, And I would cut up those clips and put them in a separate folder in Adobe Premiere. Then I would take a second pass through the footage uh, and look for things that I think would flow with the flow of the song. Oh, okay. And, and and then there was other, if I knew that the song had a lot of drum hits and a lot of, it was going to require a lot of beat sync. Yeah. Um, I would look for specific scenes that I thought would make for good strobing effect. Um, so maybe uh, white background silhouetted anime characters that I think would really accentuate with black strobes yeah or or uh inverts um things like that i would also look for scenes that had uh one color backgrounds like uh like i noticed in your and i think one of your eva videos uh you pinpointed scenes that had maybe white backgrounds and then you took the white away yeah and had stuff going behind it yep i i did i did a lot of things like that as well uh during my scans of the source look Uh for things that i could make into effects using transparency work Look for things that would really be accentuated with with strobing, yeah, or or invert, uh, color invert, uh, anything that I look that I thought from a movement standpoint would look good with a blur, yeah, or any kind of blur effect. Um, I those were the things I was looking for as I scanned footage. But the the first pass was always something dedicated to the lyrics because, like I said, I, I'm a big lyric scene guy. Mm, that's that's smart. Yeah, I could see that. I'm big on organization. So like uh, whenever I would, you know, cut the clips and put them into separate folders, I, I really tried to be specific with the file names and say, okay, uh, this is episode so-and-so 15 minutes in blah, 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 you know, and very try and be as descriptive as possible with the, with the file itself. So I, so I know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm a stickler for organization, I guess. So I can't work in kind of an environment where uh, things are kind of just thrown together. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but like uh, I, I, I really struggle if things aren't really labeled and outlined. Um, it's all, it's all part of my weird process, I guess. Yeah, no. And I totally relate to that. And that was what kind of kept me out of AMVs for a while. Cause I was just like, well, how do people know, you know, like, how do they know that shot works well with that? Like, like if you just have this big block of footage and it's like, oh, well, if you take the time to kind of separate it, then it's so much easier, you know, and that was kind of what helped me get into it at first. And, it, and that's also one of the things that has kept me from, I guess, restarting AMVs is I remember the amount of work it took to organize everything, yep. uh, timeline everything out. And it just feels so intimidating now. Yeah. Like, um, like I, there's been a couple of times that I went and, you know, found footage and had a concept in mind. I don't have Adobe Premiere anymore because they went to a subscription model. Mm. Like the version of Adobe Premiere I was using back when I was really editing heavily, uh, I had Adobe Premiere 6.5. Yeah. And which was uh, during the Windows XP time period. And obviously Windows XP is, you know, 10 operating systems behind or something right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so you can't use it anymore on, on current machines. And uh, so I said, okay, I, I was curious one time and I said, okay, well, let me 
let me get whatever the newest version of Adobe Premiere is and, you know, see how it works. And, you know, if it looks a lot different, the, the UI is any different. And it's, it's a subscription-based model that they went to. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not easy where you can just download the software and install it like it was back then. Uh, and they charge you like 20 bucks a month or something. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, I don't know that I have the follow-through to be willing to spend, you know, $20 a month on something I may never finish. Yep. And that's, that really put me off <laughs> on making AMVs using Adobe Premiere. Uh, so I went and I downloaded uh, Magic's uh, Pro Movie Editor. Um, but, and I mainly use it for uh, podcast editing. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the primary editor for my podcast. Uh, so, uh, I, it's really easy to use for that, but I, there has been a couple of times where I said, you know, I wonder how this would work, you know, from an A and B standpoint, you know, import the footage and I'll start looking at the timeline start trying to, you know, cut the clips on what I would want to use to make my concept work. And, you know, maybe an hour or two in, I'm like, is it really worth it? Do I really want to, <laughs> do I really want to invest the time and the effort into this? And, and yeah. after a while, it just turns into like, would anybody even care? Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know you're supposed to make AMVs for yourself. That's what everybody says. That's the kind of the the default tagline. Mm-hmm. But it, it does it does matter if you know you spend I don't know a month on something and you you upload it and you put it everywhere you can, social media, whatever for, AMV forms, and you know you just, just crickets. It's yeah. Like, Man, why did I even bother? Like uh, I know that. Oh. The the thought of that is is so daunting that mm-hmm. it can it can get anybody to just surrender i guess yeah for sure well and the the worst part is like the, in the cutting up process it's like in this middle ground where you have to be thinking creatively like you have to be thinking oh this shot i can use with this lyric and this part and so like you are using the creative aspect there but it's also so boring and mechanical where it's like okay cut cut move you know export categorize and, and like and so it's just in this weird gray area where it's like using a part of your brain but it's not gratifying and it's just yeah it really is the worst part yeah the the math equation part of editing it can be so tiring like uh it's just like trying to figure out okay how many frames do i need to get to to get to this drum beat mm-hmm. how many how many frames do i have before the tempo changes and i need to switch over to a a different scene uh how long <laughs> how long of a fade out do i need to cover this 20 seconds like it 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 all becomes very mathy and i'm not a big math guy so that that part of it too is kind of tough especially with action videos it not so much with like you know the romance and savvy videos that i made or even the ones that just kind of flow like there are some videos i have that are not necessarily so much about beat sync and more it's just more about how the song feels yeah well, that's what i thought was so good about the the kiki's delivery service video it's just like I, I can't even pinpoint what works between the song and the the footage you use but it just it all has this vibe you know it all flows together i thought that that one that one was a lot of straight cuts because mm-hmm. that one was one of the first videos i made in premiere and i I wasn't really comfortable yet with, you know, using the little rubber bands to move things yeah. up and down. Yeah. But but when it when I do have like strobing and stuff, it is very jarring. <laughs> like cuz the video itself is more just almost straight cuts and just flow of the song yeah. and then all of a sudden this, you know, <laughs> 3 second 
drum solo kicks in and yeah. all of there's strobing going <laughs> on as as a viewer i could i would imagine people being like whoa what is this like <laughs> you've just completely killed the vibe here like I don't know. Uh, well, personally, uh, I didn't think you killed the vibe, but I, I can see what you're saying. Though it is like if is I a if I was watching that video outside of myself, mm -hmm. and I was and I was like getting into the feel of the video, and I saw that that little drum solo yeah. and those strobes, <laughs> I'd be like, "Whoa, what is what is this?" Like, um, th also that video too. I used a lot of sync with blinks, mm. uh, like a lot of the different song the the tempo changes and the the drums uh anytime there was a hit i would use a, a an eye blink yeah to to kind of accentuate it uh and i actually used that effect or not an effect but i guess that style of of beat sync in a different video too in my um uh spirited away video yeah the, the soul seek yeah yeah that one i i did the same thing i used a lot of eye blinks to kind of accentuate the the beats in the song yeah yeah uh, but uh it 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 almost felt cheap the second time i did it like the first <laughs> time i did it it felt like oh i think people are going to really think this is cool even though some people don't even notice it but uh i i definitely did that on purpose but the second time i did it which there's probably a five-year gap between the kiki video and the spirited away video mm -hmm. And it almost felt cheap the second time. Like, <laughs> and it's like you're going back to the well out of almost laziness. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. It left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> but but pe yeah, but people really, a lot of people really liked it for some reason. No, no, that's, that's, a, that's a really good video. Um, I was thinking, I, I, yeah, I, I used eye blinks a couple times. I did this one video, which I, I don't know what I think of it anymore, but it was my, I think it was my, my third video. I, I did a, a Slint song. I don't know if you ever heard of the band Slint. They're no, this I haven't. Really weird, like, uh, kind of abrasive, like, kind of hardcore rock, but, like, they got slower stuff. And so I did this eight-minute depressing-as-hell song. Like, it's so sad to K-On, like, the, the stupid slice-of-life girl band um, show. And I had to make this really happy show seem like the saddest thing in the world. And so I used <laughs> a lot of like, like establishing shots taken out of context, like really weird things. And, but because I had such, like, even though it's like a 26 episode series or something, I had a lot of, like a lot of raw footage, but like when I pared it down, I didn't have a lot to work with. So I used a lot of those sort of like eye syncs or like I would stretch out a shot. And when there was like one little piece of movement in a scene, I would just kind of sync that up just to make it seem like things were still happening and it wasn't a slideshow. And it's just <laughs> funny how those techniques just kind of seep through when you're. Oh yeah. And, and, you, and speaking of that style of editing, all of the speed down, speed, speed yep. up to try and get it to fit with whatever, audio you're using oh my god yeah uh the, the nightmares of <laughs> and then also when you do that um interlacing becomes a problem yep. sometimes like if you like if you slow it back then at least i don't know what it's like now but, uh, yeah, uh, so... if you slow a, a video clip down mm -hmm. it gets really pixely and it yep. gets and you lose frames and stuff and uh, uh the amount of hell i had trying to get the video to slow while also making it not look like shit. Yeah. Just, 
Oh my god. There's so I'm many. Like I've like, having PTSD now. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. It's like I always go. Like, it's like a toolbox technique. So okay, I have this shot. I gotta slow down. Okay, what I can do is I can stretch the footage. I can freeze frame at a certain point. I can reverse it. Maybe. I could reverse it. Yeah. yeah. I could. I could mirror it. Like. Yeah. It's like there's so many little tricks. Just because like it's so annoying. Because like if you were directing like a movie, you always film more before and after of what you need. You know because you know you're gonna edit it. But when you're you're making an AMV, like you have this much footage. Like there is. Yeah. No, you're beholden to whatever they decided to do yeah you don't have an an overhead shot and a side shot and yep. a, a first person viewpoint and yeah you got uh, no coverage uh, yeah <laughs> i was actually involved in a in a in a movie in 2005 i was part of the like the crew that was helping work on it uh and we would we would refilm the same scenes from so many different angles uh to try and get as many different perspectives as possible. Yeah. Uh, specifically for that, because yeah. we we knew we were going to have to be cutting in and out to different scenarios, different perspectives, and it's just so different than you know getting stuck with this source <laughs> as is and having to make it work with all of these tricks, like you said. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe I'll inverse it. Maybe I'll change the coloring scheme. Maybe I'll do this to make it look like I didn't just rehash the same scene over and over again. Yep. So it's such a different kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, speaking of that movie experience, I remember I, I listened to the, the last episode you posted on, on your podcast and you brought that up and, um, what was that like working on a like on a, a quote unquote real movie? You know, like what what was that? <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily call it real. It was <laughs> it was an independent movie. It was actually the 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 same AMV editor that was doing the documentaries. Oh really? Uh, yeah, Carlos Corral, the Mind Warp Entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he ended up becoming a director for a little while uh, in El Paso, and uh, in two thousand five. I got laid off from my job uh, and I had a lot of free time <laughs> that in the mid 2005, after I got let go, uh, there was about six months where I traveled more than I had ever traveled. I went to Canada. I went to uh, Pittsburgh. I went to Los Angeles, went to Atlanta, went to Florida, and uh, I went to El Paso to help carlos with that movie i was there about two weeks and uh he he was this was like his first or second movie i think that he had he had done direction on and he was doing direction he was doing audio holding the boom mics he, we wrote this parts of the script together uh it was a lot of fun yeah. um, i'm actually listed as a co-producer i'm actually on imdb nice. <laughs> for that movie yeah uh, but i didn't pay the dues so i can't upload my photo or anything because you have to pay uh, i want to say like a hundred dollars a year to actually edit imdb but um yeah it, it was it was a lot of fun uh, the, those two weeks in el paso filming that movie were some of the funnest times i ever had and uh it also introduced me to the game of texas hold'em mm -hmm which I became absolutely obsessed with after that happened to the point where I went to the world series of poker this year. Like, yeah, I saw on your Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. You just, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I became so infatuated that I learned everything I could about the game. I have several books I've read. Uh, the Doyle Brunson super system book was one of the biggest influences on me. And I used to think I was a pretty good player until I got humbled 
at the World Series of Poker, and I realized there's a completely different tier of poker player than just your normal home game players yeah. that I had grown accustomed to. I used to think that I was good enough to just be able to walk into any home game or even casino, yeah, sit down at a one-two cash table or one-three cash table and do well. But man, you you go and you play with the pros. Uh, it, it's a very humbling experience to yeah. say the least. It's totally different. Yeah, I can imagine. So, like, how was it this year? Like, how did, how did you do? I lost a lot of money. Oh. <laughs> I I uh, I went with the sole intent of playing the main event, the the ten thousand dollar buy in yeah. uh, tournament. Um, but when I got there, I got the the main event started on a Thursday, and I got there on a Saturday, the Saturday before. And I said, well, let me uh, let me try some of these other uh, lower buy-in tournaments first at the World Series. So I, I bought into the $600 deep stack tournament, and I lasted maybe six hours, and it's a three-day tournament, so mm. it wasn't, <laughs> I didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. And then I said, oh, okay, well, I, I didn't. I didn't feel like I was playing poorly. I was making the proper decisions. I was just, uh, there was times where I got unlucky or times that, you know, I had a good hand and somebody just had a better one and I just didn't read the situation right. Um, So it didn't really discourage me the first tournament. The second tournament was a thousand (laughs) dollar buy-in tournament. Yeah, Uh, It was called the mini main. And that was like a day or two after. And I said, okay, well, let me try this one. And uh, I only lasted about two hours in a three-day tournament mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe three maybe three hours and uh that one again i don't it didn't really feel like i was making the wrong decisions it just felt like uh i was running into better hands i was just not reading the situation as well as i could have mm. and that without one really discouraged me and then i said okay well let me try some of these non world series of poker tournaments cuz you know in vegas there's tournaments at every casino on the strip you know yeah. uh, you can go and buy a $200 one there's $500 ones so i tried a couple of the $200 ones at some of the other casinos and i did poorly in those mm-hmm. uh, i would play the cash games at the at the world series of poker casino which was the rio and uh, I just, it, it didn't feel like anything was going my way. Like yeah. uh, I would go, I would get my money in good a lot of times with the best hand. And, you know, somebody would call me with a draw and the draw would always hit, you know, fl- uh, sets lost to flushes, flushes lost to boats. Uh, I just felt snake bit. So by the time the main event was came around that Thursday, I just, it didn't feel like, it felt like I would just be throwing money away if I spent the $10,000 to buy in. So I kind of said, you know what, maybe next year, (laughs) maybe next year, maybe next year. Yeah. So, but I mean, even with, you know, poker losses aside, that week was, was awesome. Like, uh, I was, we were staying at an Airbnb in Vegas off the strip with about 15 other people um that we had all we were all part of the same home game uh we were all part of the same facebook group in dallas and uh so i knew all of them and uh they were all a a great bunch of guys the airbnb was amazing it had a pool jacuzzi basketball court mini putt putt golf course wow uh 
you know, it had like six bedrooms. Uh, it had a shuffleboard. Oh my <laughs> inside. god! Yeah, it was like the most amenities you could imagine. Like in this, and it wasn't that expensive. Like, so it was an amazing experience. You know, if you take the poker out of it, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it was you know some of the most fun I've ever had. So I would definitely do it again. Yeah. And you know, the next time I go. I want to actually do what I had set out to do from the beginning, which is play the main event. But I think I'm probably going to take the same mindset I took this year and say, Hey, let me, let me feel things out first and see how I'm actually running Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from a, from a card standpoint. If I'm, if I run as poorly next year as I did this year, uh, maybe that 10 K will get put back in the holster for <laughs> 2023 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just holding off on that. Oh, but man. yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. I would do it again tenfold over yeah oh that's awesome and i was thinking because like in that the the last the, the, your newest podcast you talk about like what like the nature of gambling and all this stuff and that's a concept i've been kind of interested in because i got really really obsessed with the movie uncut gems that came out recently with uh yeah with the adam Sandler. sandler movie yeah yeah that was a great movie oh, so good man it's i so loved good. it yeah yeah and, and like that movie got me thinking it's like th there's i think there's like a parallel between the type of person who would sit at a poker table or look at sports betting and stuff for hours and hours and and, ju and just run the numbers and kind of f feel all this out and, and for, for the hope of that big win to someone who sits at their computer for however many hours cutting up the stupid anime footage for that risk of like getting something that connects you know and, 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 like, getting recognition yeah and get, uh, getting maybe that... a, a contest you know trophy or something yeah a lot of people, I think a lot of editors are kind of in it for the the fame and the notoriety, mm -hmm. which is awesome. I'm, I'm all for it, but uh, they don't, they don't always go in thinking that they just want to do something artistic or, yeah. uh, you know, make something, you know, out of a, you know, out of a vision they had. I think a lot of, a lot of times, at least in my experience, there was editors that solely made videos for the specific purpose of, of trying to win uh you know a contest category at a convention which i i have no qualms with i i've done it too like there's been times where i've made videos specifically for contests specifically to try and win so mm -hmm. i i fault nobody for that but uh i think a lot of people have that mindset and like going back to what you were saying the i think there is a obviously there's a lot of math involved in poker yeah and there is like we were talking about there is definitely a lot of math and using that part of your brain in editing mm -hmm. um specifically for the purpose of getting uh the overall project uh fitting into your vision you have to use a lot of math to get to that point yeah and it's the same in poker you have to use a lot of math to get to your objective of winning the hand winning the tournament you know winning money in a cash game coming out ahead on your spreadsheet <laughs> yeah uh trying to get into the positive uh there's a lot of math involved in both areas so i there is definitely a lot of parallels in my estimation mm -hmm. yeah and I, and I can totally see it's like there are the people who like kind of just like you know, this is what people will like, I'll make this. But then there's kind of a difference where, like, when you have a kind of compulsion towards something, and you're like, I really like this anime and stuff, you can figure out ways to bend that to ways that people will like it, you know? And when you put in the craft and stuff, that's, like, impressive. Like, the, you know, at the end of the day, it is kind of show-off-y stuff, you know? Like, when I made that Evangelion video, I knew it was the right vibe for the footage, but I also knew it was like, okay, this is a kind of... 
this will get people on my side when they see, oh, this guy didn't just toss this off, you know? And I, I feel like, like not a black and white, like, oh, I want to make something that'll impress people or I want to make something for me. It's like, you can find ways to bend your own sensibility to be like, this is something that's not going to totally alienate everyone and might even impress some people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, a lot of times for some editors, especially the real popular and famous ones back in the day, they were they were making videos based on expectations of what people wanted to see from them. Mm -hmm. So like uh, if you are a very effects heavy editor, for example, people expect you to go even bigger and better yeah. uh, on your next video. Like, for example, Coop, you know, he made Euphoria, right? And that was like one of the most groundbreaking effects heavy videos ever made at that time. It was like, you know, revolutionary almost. Yeah. Uh, what he was doing uh, with that, with all of his effects uh, and all that, you know, rotoscoping and everything. I'm, it, I remember when he was telling me about his process and, you know, how he went about doing a lot of like uh, the spirals of videos running, you know, in these little blocks. Yeah uh around the actual circle of footage running in the middle of it uh is it just sounded exhausting but uh you know obviously it was it was amazing mm -hmm. uh but people in, in his next video expected him to you know top it yeah and it's hard to top something that you've you know you spent all of this time and effort and work on uh and i i think a lot of editors fell into that trap of I got to make the next one even more effects heavy yeah. and, and make it to the point where people won't be disappointed. And I think a lot of times that's some editors downfall is they, they put so much of a burden on themselves to try and top whatever they did before, especially if what they did before really was a hit and, you know, became popular. Um, they, they just burned themselves out trying to go bigger and they just can never get to that point again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you want a, a prime example of how to deal with that, I mean, the Beatles. Like, what do you do with Sgt. Pepper, the biggest, you know, best-produced album at the time? It's like, well, fuck it, let's do the White Album. And just, like, screw with everyone's expectations, you know? And that's a way they were able to, like, you know, push forward. And I can totally see that with editing. Yeah, there is definitely parallel. Like I said, it, from, a, from a work and pride of your accomplishment standpoint, it really, oh, and I'm, I'm not a musician at all. I, I tried to learn guitar and I couldn't even figure out where my fingers were supposed to be placed. But uh, I, I imagine that it, there's huge parallels between editing and, you know, writing music and, you know, performing music. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I always imagine that if I was a guitar player and I wrote a song it would have the same feeling as if I finished an AMV and, you know, had it shown at a convention would be similar to me actually performing that song in front of an audience. It's it. I, I know I'll never get to the point where I can do the guitar playing and musician in front of an audience, but that was the next best thing. And it was, it was an awesome experience. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. Yeah. Like even just like in the craft, it's like music is so focused on like rhythm and tone and feeling and stuff. And that's totally what editing is too. Like you got to really focus on like, it's just a gut thing. Like you watch something and you're like that cut felt right. And it's the same way of like that, you know, beat change a note in the song felt right, you know, and it's just such a visceral kind of reaction. I can see that's why like, they're very similar kind of mediums and that's why like 
they, I think they they involve similar processes in the way like that you you receive gratification and create them. You know. Yeah, like, uh, have you ever actually entered an, an AMV contest? Yeah, yeah, I've entered it. Yeah, every year I'm always sending out little applications. Okay, do you, do you actually go to the uh, convention and kind of see? Like crowd reaction and like in terms of like how it's played, I went to one, and that was because I was working in a different province. Because I don't know what it is, the guys who are running the AMV contest in my hometown, they don't like me. They don't like me at all. Even that Evangelion video didn't make finalists. I don't know what it was. It didn't make local finalists. I'll never get over that. My Evangelion, <laughs> video, whatever. I mean, <laughs> um, it was it was even weird. Like, this is a total tangent, but I found out one of the guys on the committee, um, for that AMV contest was my work supervisor for a short while. It was wow. pure coincidence. Cause like, yeah, I was just, I was in a little like internship placement. Like it was just a few months and I was getting to know the people in my group. And then I brought up that like, oh, I do some video editing. He's like, oh, you know, I, like I, I judge a contest. I'm like, oh, what do you judge? Well, it's like a stupid little thing. It's an AMV contest. I'm just like, what? And then I, I showed him my Evangelion video. He was like, oh yeah, I didn't like this one. It's ugly. And I'm just like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, man. I don't even want to fucking speak to you. But, um, but Yeah, anyway. what a small world. Yeah, no, right. It was so weird. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, I actually had a video uh, play at a different province's AMV contest. It was at SukinoCon, which was like just a little university AMV contest. And it was that uh, pirouette video, like the last the Evangelion Karakano one that I sent. Um, and it was just in this little... Um, university like lecture hall and there was like i don't know i'd say like 100 150 people there maybe 200 at most and one the decibel levels in the other videos are all using like dubstep pop and then my little blues rock amv comes in and it's like i don't know you you could hear a lot better uh <laughs> and everyone just like didn't really know how to react but then at the end everyone was cheering and i just i was like fuck yes i felt like such a god when i was leaving i went up to people i was like hey you saw that video right that was mine like uh, like oh that's good and i was like oh fuck yeah um yeah the the rush of seeing your video though the reaction to it from others in a crowd yeah it's like there's nothing else like it it was like a total high like i really felt like i was like oh my god like this is what it was for like it was so many cheering people and i mean the next day when they announced the results i lost to a vine compilation amv but i don't, I don't fucking care whatever i my video showed <laughs> and that's all i needed yeah the and like you know getting back to the you know the parallels of you know, how the recognition part of it works a lot of editors are working with the sole intent of getting that high it's almost yeah. like a drug addiction like yeah or like gambling you know yeah yeah they they want to feel that experience again yeah um so they make videos with the specific purpose of trying to please the crowd because they want to hear you know that audience react you know positively to it because mm -hmm. it's there's just no feeling like it yeah so uh you know like we were saying a lot of editors kind of fall into that trap of trying to make something that they know other people will like instead of making something that they think is you know something artistic or something that is personal to them mm -hmm. they're they're trying to you know win the the crowd basically which again nothing wrong with that yeah uh, i've i've done it every all editors are always looking for that next high <laughs> yeah like a shot of heroin or something <laughs> yeah really no, like it really is and and like and there is something kind of admirable in the craftsmanship required to like totally be like th this is something i'm crafting 
as like a work outside myself you know it's like because like it's so easy to get hung up on like this is what i'm obsessed with and like these are all little things and it, it, like it like i mean you're still making stuff for other people but it can get a little selfish when you're like this is me this is mine this is what i care about i don't give a fuck for other people and there is a certain kind of like honorable selfless craftsmanship and just being like this is what people will like and i'm distancing myself from it but I find it hard to work under that just because it's not compelling to me. Maybe just because I'm a little more selfish when it comes to that. Yeah, everybody kind of has their own, you know, separate mindset when it comes to AMVs. Like mm -hmm. some people make it very personal. Like yeah. they they make videos with the sole intention of expressing whatever feelings they're having at the time. Um, and then there's other times, and a lot of times people don't share that vision. So uh, you make something and you think, you know, this was me pouring my heart out and then you get it seen at a convention and nobody gets it. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, and that, and that can be so discouraging sometimes to the point where people will say, well, next time I don't want to have that feeling again. Let me make something that I think is funny. And like, everybody will, will be clapping and happy and laughing. Uh, you know, the, everybody wants the, the endorphin hit. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. And yeah, that's, that's like, it's just kind of, that's what I'm kind of realizing. It's like, this is, this is going way out there, but like pe people talk about like, what is the point of like, where do you direct your energy? You know, like, what do you do? And like, to me, I'm starting, I'm starting to slowly more and more realize that it's just like, if you think about something, be it like, you know, playing cards, be it making an AMV, be it going out and playing sports. If you feel this gut impulse, it's like, I want to do that. Like and and you can manage to make that work like that's what it's all about i think and i think that that applies to all that stuff and if and if you can excel in that you really that's where it all pays off and that's where you can really kind of make something of yourself yeah and if you can get to the point where you're actually getting paid to do it yeah. that's when you've really won in life yeah. like like a lot of editors from back in that time period that i was editing went on to become professional editors like uh like uh like carlos the guy that was doing the documentaries with me yeah uh back in those early days uh he went on to direct movies uh he has a really successful career in audio editing uh oh. he a lot of a lot of movie companies use him and that and his company to edit audio and to work boom, you know boom mics and things like that he i don't know if you ever saw the uh the documentary about the atari et cartridges that were buried yeah yeah uh, he he actually did the audio oh, for that wow. um he's done several you know things that have been shown on netflix uh it it can definitely and and he loves it uh he you know he he was editing from the very you know initial uh concepts of of his amv i guess journey mm -hmm. and he turned that into a really lucrative career and then other people i i know that were editors back then they they work for tv shows and uh, they do professional editing and it, their passion became something that they actually get to make a living with. And it's, it's awesome. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. That's, that's the dream. I mean, I'm still, I'm still like a, a youngster here, so I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it all out, but man, the, I, I am curious, like, uh, what, what videos, uh, cause you said you're kind of new to the, to the process. So, mm -hmm. uh, what videos were the ones that got you into wanting to become an AMV editor. I mean, it's not going to be the good ones. Like, cause I'm like, again, I mean, it never is like yeah. uh, a lot of the videos that got me to want to do it mm -hmm. were ones that no one's even heard of yeah. that were just 
something that seemed really cool at that time. Uh, a lot of the videos that that I got to into initially were videos that were made using real player <laughs> software and uh, like the really old version of the Apple's QuickTime video, like like dot mov files and and dot rm files were some of the earliest videos I saw that were the ones that made me think, hey, I can do this. This is really cool. <laughs> Um, so, but no one's ever heard of them. Like I still have some of those old videos that like, you know, they're not even cataloged on amv.org. They're so old. Oh, man. So, I mean, uh, I, I, I wouldn't expect you to have like, to say it's all the ones that you're on the top 10 of, you know, the org categories, but, um, uh, was there anything like the, in particular that made you want to get into it? Yeah. I, I'm trying to, th I remember the biggest one like one that i remember hitting it's not even it, I've kind of, it kind of feels cheap because it's not a fan-made thing it's a professional it was a movie trailer for the movie paranorman the cart the cartoon right? yeah the, the stop animated animated movie, cartoon right? yeah the teaser trailer for that just used donovan season of the witch no other audio just the song season of the witch by donovan and it just made the whole trailer and with just scene synced up to that and it was basically like an amv but as a movie trailer and i remember like I, first i never heard a song like that before i mean i, I was like 10 when i saw that um <laughs> and it, it was like I just saw that and it was like, it was the exact music I had always wanted to hear, just like really raw kind of stripped back acoustic-y stuff, which I never really heard. And then in just the, the, the pure cinematic kind of thing they had managed to translate just through syncing up these disconnected animated scenes to the song, I was just like, that's so cool. You can do that. It just felt so like grand. Um, and this is also really embarrassing, but I used to be obsessed. I didn't even know what fucking AMVs were because I was that weird. I was obsessed with My Little Pony music videos at the time. <laughs> like, and they were awful. Like, looking back, they were... Because the thing is, cart like, this is something that AMVs has kind of ruined for me, is the way American cartoons are shot 99% of the time. They are always... They're shot like sitcoms, just a static shot of just people talking and that's so much of cartoons that it pisses me off anyway uh, but like and that's what my little pony is my little pony is just characters talking so much of the time but i remember i saw like a few i saw one that was like the no country for old men trailer with my little pony and i was like that's so cool you could do this adult <laughs> thing with this other thing and uh, like i was thinking i was just like that's awesome and i used to lie in the back seat of my like in my parents car where we, we'd have these long drives because lived in a small town so we'd drive to the city and I would lay down the back for like hours and I'd listen to my playlist of like awful music and I would imagine like I remember I could see it was like a tv I could see music videos to my favorite things like uh I was trying to think it was like um My Little Pony factored in there at the time uh and then just like like movie characters and stuff just enacting scenes from these songs that and I was like that would be so cool if I could make something like that. But I never thought I could until I just did it one day where I was just like, I saw the show Kodomo no Jiken, which is this, it's, it's where uh, a, a teacher dates a third grader. Like, it's a really bad idea. <laughs> it's a really bad idea for a show. But there's this one image in the show near the end where this brother character, it, it becomes like this operatic melodrama from the dumbest concept. And there's a scene where the brother of the third grader gets stabbed with a knife 
and he has a dream that he's talking to their dead mother and she's floating and he has this knife sticking out of him and they're in this like dream field or something and i was just like that is the most like cinematic image out of this dog <laughs> shit like stupid anime and i was just like I gotta show this to everyone. Everyone has to see this. And that was the impetus behind my first video is just translating that one shot into something people could more easily digest. They didn't have to watch this whole stupid show. Yeah, like I think that's where a lot of people start. They see this one scene, like maybe this one action fight scene and say, oh, okay, what if I, you know, took this heavy metal song and, yeah. <laughs> and put it as the background music to this straight shot of unedited fighting and uh, maybe that'll turn out cool. That, like, that's kind of what made me want to do it. Like, uh, a lot of those videos you were asking about earlier uh, before the show where you're mm -hmm. saying, hey, uh, what, was, what is that Dueling Saiyans and Super Beasts? <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, it's like, yeah. uh, it's like okay, well, the, uh, the Dragon Ball GT fight with uh, Super Saiyan 4 Goku fighting uh, the giant uh, gorilla Super Saiyan was really cool. So, you know, if I take a rob zombie song and make it the soundtrack uh this might look okay like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just weird stuff like that like the the sex pistols it's video with uh goku and majin vegeta fighting in dragon <laughs> ball z it's like it's not it's just it's nothing groundbreaking it's just yeah. like man that just it just seems like it would be cool but mm -hmm. it you know once you get, actually do it, it's like, oh, it wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be like. <laughs> well, because like, it's one of those things, like, I, 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 do, I still do this a lot where I'll, like, put on an album and just watch something muted. And it's just so cool to see, like, what'll happen, you know? Because sometimes it feels like magic where it just suddenly things sync up. Like, that's like the, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz thing, where it's just like the human brain is just kind of programmed to make those associations. And so I think inevitably the early videos are just going to be, like, those associations, you know? Absolutely. And I, I think... One of the things for me, even before I learned about anime music videos was, you know, MTV obviously had a huge influence on me, like uh, just seeing, you know, music, you know, put together with images and video was something that seemed unattainable to me unless you were a professional editor, mm -hmm. you know, back when it was originally happening. Um, but I always felt like, you know, if, uh, if I wanted to make my own video, I would probably use movies like a um, some movie I liked or different movie scenes and put that with the song instead of actually watching the band playing and it would probably look cooler but I just it it never really occurred to me that that would be an actual achievable thing until until uh, you know they made editing software available to everybody and they made it uh, they made it easy to to download music like Napster had a huge influence because all of a sudden all of these songs are at my disposal anytime I want like yeah. uh, that and then you know the the internet and being able to download files and peer-to-peer -peer just opened up things that were never available you know in the you know 80s and early 90s were like you know how would I ever be able to get this VHS tape into a format where I could actually edit it like that that just seemed like a foreign concept to me and you know the the internet Napster Windows Movie Maker kind of just I think paved a way for a lot of people to where all of a sudden all of all of these concepts and ideas were actually doable when they were just pipe dreams yeah. probably for a lot of people yeah Man, that's, that's so cool. I was, I was actually just thinking, like, just before, like, maybe, like, I don't know, like, half an hour before we started calling here, I I watched the the censored version of that Project 
I don't know what the symbol is. Project symbol. The file name was called. Um, yeah, it's it, uh, what it is. It's uh, it's a uh, L, with uh, it's it's almost like a a an emoji of somebody sticking their tongue out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I think that's what they were going for. Like yeah. I wasn't the head of that project, but I only had the the little snippet. The my part of it was the the breaking movie with oh, the L.A. Blue Girl. That's so uh, awesome that, that was you. Overlay. Yeah. 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 And then I have I have the uncensored part of that portion of the video, mm-hmm. and uh, I could have swore I had the uncensored version of it entirely, but I, I I've gone through a couple of different hard drive uh, collapses and changes, so every time I've I've lost a hard drive and had to try and recover all of my AMVs from the previous time, I've lost videos, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it probably got lost in one of those hard drive dying uh instances uh because i i had i used to have thousands of amvs when i first started i was i had one of the biggest collections of the people i knew yeah um but when that hard drive and you know back then uh you know hard drives weren't one terabyte and two terabytes like they are now they were like you're lucky to have a you know 200 200 gig hard drive back in those days wow one of the first editing machines i had was an e-machine uh which is about as low end as you can get on the on the pc scale uh and it had maybe 20 gig (laughs) hard drive (laughs) so again one of the reasons why uh i was working with the lowest possible file sizes as i could and the lowest quality files as, as i could just to be able to make my concept work like i I I did not have the luxury of being able to say, okay, I'm going to have this 10 gig uh, lossless uncompressed video file at a, you know, 1280 by 720 resolution at my disposal or something like that. Very, very different time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, man. Oh, that's so interesting. And one day I'll have to track down the uncensored version of that project symbol video, whatever, because it feels just like this perfect time capsule of that era of popular culture you know even though it's like it's a pretty distant memory for me because i was really young but it's just the energy behind that video all the stuff in it it's just man that video is so cool man and i'm sure there must be i'm not too well versed in multi-editor projects just because like to get into them is like i don't know i'm if it's one song one editor it's much easier to digest when it's all these people it can be hard but i gotta check out more like if there's more like that because it's just so cool just this explosion of pop culture in that video yeah like the the people that ran that project uh one of them uh is mr pilkington (laughs) which who actually was uh head of the anime weekend atlanta uh video art track for a little while i'm not sure if he still is but uh him and another guy named Matt, uh, AMV4000 was his org name. They were kind of the ones that spearheaded that project and recruited others to to kind of contribute segments to it. And they made some of the wackiest and craziest videos I've I've ever seen. Like their their concepts are so out there. And uh <laughs> I I loved it. I loved everything that they did. And uh yeah, that when they when they approached me about working on that video uh you know they they gave me the concept and they say okay they you know we want we want to make a you know a dirty video to this beastie boys song and we want you to come up with the craziest ideas uh 
that you can come up with. And it was right up my alley. And I was like, well, can it be anything? Can does it have to be anime? It's like, just do whatever you want. Like, if you'll notice, there's different segments of that that aren't even anime. They're just like regular cartoons. And yeah, that's what's you know, so just, cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just stuff out of nowhere. And uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, I had always kind of wanted to do a, a, a break in video because break in is like one of my favorite movies oh, of all iconic, time. Man, yeah. So, like, I was like, okay, what if I did that? But to keep with their theme of wanting to have, a hentai part be in it somehow what if i just took the girl singing <laughs> singing the lyrics so a lot of the overlay i did uh again a lot of that was hand hand edited oh my god dude uh greening out everything uh outside of la blue girl which was the anime yeah yeah uh i i greened everything else out by hand um the actual lips and mouth i just cut uh, cropped out everything but the mouth and and overlaid that on the static image that i had edited in ms paint wow uh just to get the lyric and then obviously i had to slow down and speed up the mouth to get it to sync up with the words yeah uh but yeah there was that's probably five different uh tracks of overlays on top of the actual break-in footage, which was sped up probably like 150% to, <laughs> to, to try and get it to match. And then I threw in some uh, some inverts in there to try and accentuate uh, the... I think there's a lot of symbol crashes in that. So yeah. So I, I, I used the inverts to to kind of accentuate those. And it was fun. And and the best thing about it is does my segment the and multi-editor projects when it's just one song, mm-hmm. you only you only have to deal with twenty or thirty seconds. That it seems a lot less intimidating than you're looking at a five minute timeline and like, yeah. oh, man, how am I gonna fill all this in? And uh th- those were always a lot of fun. I probably uh took part in, I don't know, five to ten mm-hmm. multi-editor projects. Oh man, that's so cool, man. Also, I gotta, I gotta ask because this has been an obsession for me this last year. It's another another selfish question for me. But Beastie Boys are guys I never even really knew about until like last year, and then now it's just like opened this world to me of Beastie Boys stuff that has been blowing my mind. I don't know. It's like because I noticed you have two. You know, I mean, there's the check it out and also sabotage. I was wondering, do you have any particular Beastie Boys highlights or anything? This is just for me. Yeah, like. Uh... In one of our podcast episodes, uh, we all all of the we have like four co-hosts, and uh, we each did a questionnaire about the bands that influenced you the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the questions is something like, "What is the band that got you into music?" or something like that. And Beastie Boys was my choice oh, because because yeah. License to Ill was the first cassette I ever purchased, and oh, it dude. was. It was the most influential uh, album I ever bought. Like yeah. uh, I, I wasn't, you know, prior to that, I wasn't huge into rap or anything. Like I listened to Top Forty Radio. This was, you know, mid '80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I, and what got me into it, well, obviously, was Fight for Your Right to Party, which was the MTV. Uh, it was big on MTV at that time, and then uh, so I. It, I took a flyer on on the cassette specifically because of that song, and huh. every song on there I loved. Every it's, song, yeah, man. Like, yeah, "License to Ill" is nothing but awesome hits. Yeah, like, yeah, and like all like the production, man, on that is like, oh my god. A, a lot of times I'll get into debates with other people on the show because not they're not all 
uh, big Beastie Boys fans. So I'm always having to <laughs> to defend their honor in a way. Uh, how many, the, the whole concept of how many is basically, uh, I say uh, an artist, uh, director, an actor, musician, and I say, okay, uh, Quentin Tarantino, how many good movies does he have? He has a total of, let's say, 12 movies. How many of them are actually good? Uh, and then we just, we sit down and we look at the list and we figure out together, okay, is Kill Bill good? Do you want to count that one? Yeah, of course. Uh, Pulp Fiction, obviously, yes. Reservoir Dogs. So if I, when sometimes Beast, when the Beastie Boys come up, uh, I'll say, okay, well, uh, realistically, uh, maybe 25 to 30 great songs. Yeah. And there'll be people on the panel that'll say, what? <laughs> maybe three. Like, oh, you'll be lucky fun. to get to three. Like, <laughs> Like uh, a lot of them are said, is there a one hit wonder? It's fight for your oh right to party, God. and that's it. Like it's no way. It's, yeah, the the span of taste on that show is vastly different. Like, uh, I mean, things that I think uh, suck, they think that like uh, one of them is really big into Neil Young, mm-hmm. and uh, they say, well, Neil Young, he's probably got twenty, twenty five good songs. Like, really? Maybe two? Like <laughs> maybe three? Like, I mean, so it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Beastie Boys was a huge, huge influence on me. I love them. Yeah, they got some, got some real shit going on. I'm glad they've picked up another fan because I'm always singing their praises. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually got to get going. Oh, I've got sure. another uh, thing I got to take care of. So, yeah. I, is there anything else uh, yeah, before it, we wrap up? Yeah, I usually end with like, is there anything you got to plug? Anything you wanna wanna be repping? Uh, just oh just yeah, absolutely. Out. So. Uh, like we talked about, uh, I do have a podcast. Uh, if you go to howmanypodcasts.com, uh, all of our episodes are there. Uh, like I said, the concept of the show is basically just rating and debating pop culture topics, sports, movies, music, uh, food. <laughs> we run the gambit, man. Uh, we've done episodes about Six Flags rides. <laughs> we've done episodes on how many good sandwiches there are. Uh, and we basically just get a baseline off of some list we'll find online and say, okay, uh, there's 50 great sandwiches on this list. Let's see how many of them are good, you know? Uh, so uh, howmanypodcast.com is where you can listen to those episodes. Uh, we have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, if uh, you're interested in watching any of the AMVs that we talked about that I've made, uh, I have a YouTube channel as well. Just search Mexican Junior AMV on YouTube, and I'm sure all of those will pop up. Uh, actually, uh, I think you may have been my hundredth subscriber on my YouTube let's channel, go, let's go. which means, which means that you can actually make a customized YouTube URL when you get to a hundred, that's the threshold nice. where you can actually make. So I'm going to actually be able to make a custom URL for my YouTube channel now oh, until yeah. somebody decides to unsubscribe and get me down to 99. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, again, all of those videos I made between 2000 and 2006. So <laughs> pardon the quality on some of them, uh, but they were a lot of fun to make. And if anybody's interested in them, you can definitely find them there. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is an amazing combo. It's great to geek out about AMVs with someone. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. I loved it. If you ever want to do it again, just let me know.